this is the Great One Piece read-through, volume 15, Dressrosa, part 2. My name is Zach. My name is Ed. And on today's volume of the read-through, we have special guest hosts of the One Piece podcast, Steve Yurko. Hey, I'm on the One Piece podcast. <laughs> and uh, also co-host of the One Piece podcast, Alex. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, looking forward to these next two pieces of Twix. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I was thinking... I'll get to that later. I'll, I'll, I'll just save the talk because we also have very special guests here, as usual. We have translator for One Piece in Weekly, Shonen Jump, regular Shonen Jump, whatever you want to call it. Stephen Paul's here. How's it going, Stephen? Hey, um, I can say, uh, speaking for myself, that I am happy to be here talking about this material. And I intend to give it a very fair appraisal. And the person who is happiest to be here, we have the director for Teen Titans Go! and Rick and Morty. Uh, we have Brian Newton with us. How's it going, Brian? Hey, uh, I'm here, and I'm happy to say I will have a very unbiased opinion about this arc, because I'm just going to be a contrarian. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, to be fair, I think time has judged your opinions on the Fishman Island arc. I might be one of the few to say this. Uh, very favorable. And Thriller Bark. And Thriller Bark. So maybe, in you know, as time goes on, continues to march yeah. forward. One, basically, once you all get old like me, <laughs> exactly. you, recognize, you recognize you're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> We've been wrong this entire time. I didn't realize it. So uh, for those who did not listen to It didn't to part, feel wrong when I was reading these last month. <laughs> so for those who didn't uh, listen to part one before listening to part two of Dress Rosa, what's, what's wrong, wrong with, with you? you? <laughs> that was weird. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> to go through it, we're starting at chapter 746 uh, in uh, volume 75, and we're going to go through volume 80 uh, in uh, the One Piece volumes. Um, chapter 801. Chapter 801 is, how, uh, is where we end uh, Dress Rosa. Uh, so, we might as well get into it. Where we left off last time, uh, the birdcage was falling to imminently crush everyone. Imminently. Uh, it's so, just, you know, ugh, the birdcage. This is always death. So, why don't we, uh, so th for those who don't realize, this first segment will be non-spoilery, and the second segment, the reverie segment as we call it, will include some spoilers about how we believe this material looks in retrospect uh, obviously we will be thoroughly spoiling what came before this because again what's wrong with you if you just go into this in the middle that's not how this works anyway uh so first opinions um on this it's, this is like harder to divide because it's a lot of back and forth and back and forth that's not true i think that you can separate the first like 15 or 16 chapters after the birdcage comes down everything before law's next flashback is, I think, some of the worst material in the arc. Okay, mm. so mm. Ed is throwing down the Twix wrapper there. Uh, there's just so it's just so much, there's so many inconsequential fights and shuffling of people around the island that it doesn't feel like anything interesting happens for, like, which what was realistically four months, four or five yeah. months God. in week to, reading week to week. I think that was hard. I think that's where a lot of our um, animosity toward Dressrosa comes in. But that's also why we have Brian here. And I feel like we should start on the lighter side and we could sure. head toward the darker Twix. As I would as like to be. Through. I would like to be. There's no such thing as a darker Twix. <laughs> yes, it's it's called oh. Twix dark chocolate. Yeah, no. It's fucking delicious. I know, you can get it at I mean, the H Mart. 
I mean, like, it's like you get one or the other. They're not like they're, you don't get like a milk chocolate or a dark chocolate in the same package. It's not how that's not how Maybe a you should. Works. No. <laughs> Maybe dark you should. Dark chocolate or, or bad I think, man. I think you're giving Mars candy an idea. I'm here, uh, Steve. Yes. I'm just here to also kind of be contrarian to uh, what Ed said because I think there is like a highlight. You're saying like as soon as the birdcage drops, it is like it, it's a slog until Law's flashback. Correct. That's what I remember from when I read this a month ago. Uh, th- there is like uh, one moment that I remember very fondly of this arc. I don't know if now is the time to talk about it. Uh, as long as it's at the beginning before Law's flashback, we could discuss sure. all of that. Um, so this is also we're also covering seventy six then. Yes, we're we're going from seventy five into seventy six, I guess, right now. So mm. let's talk about it as disjointed as uh well, go ahead, Steve. As we always do. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> well well maybe not to skip too far ahead, because this is like a huge moment. The uh the uh Grand Theft Auto star ratings. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. Fun. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was fun. Actually, I did like I did write down my notes here. I do like the star bounties. Uh, wow! Yeah, my my notes are very <laughs> my notes are, are are scattered with with like like comments and asterisks that say jerk off hand motion. Um, <laughs> but uh, that I, doesn't I did, really translate on the podcast as well as you think it would. Uh, you know, like oh boy, here we go. Like like yeah, but uh, I did I did like After Effects, but I also I mean I'm sorry I do like the star bounties, but then I wrote down. How did Doflamingo manage to After Effects himself these profiles with stars? <laughs> he like, projects all these photos and has all the stars. Like, okay, I, anyway. I actually have a solution to that. It might okay. be uh, Giorla. Oh. No, he's she's uh, out of commission. She's no, revived. She's not, hasn't she? she got revived, yeah. yeah. Look, I'm sure there's someone in the Doflamingo family with the After Effects, After Effects fruit uh, <laughs> that we just don't See, know about. No, no Giorla's I, been revived by Manchuri at this point. I, I'm surprised that that you guys are all like in favor of the stars because that that was the one thing for me where it's it's like I understand the the purpose of this system it, you know it's part of Doflamingo's kind of machinations to get the people to turn on each other and you know just turn it into this horrible chaotic slog but just like in terms of uh, like the 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 readability and the um you know just kind of getting through the material the the stars are just because it's only for a certain period of time like after a certain point it just they don't matter anymore mm. and it just feels like every single scene it's like oh there's that guy he has one star he has two stars we're gonna get this guy he has three stars and it just feels like it's just like oh okay come on I get the idea like let's just let's just get past this. Yeah. Okay. I could. I, I see your point there. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, I. I don't remember watching this part in the anime, but I bet it took like fifteen minutes. Oh man! Like, I was about to say another level of animosity. To I was about to say, <laughs> yeah. The the anime is somehow significantly worse, in my opinion. Obviously, it has its moments. Um, this I, is when I had to give up the anime recap. I couldn't do the anime recap anymore. Yep, we, we let yep. Sam start doing it. Yeah, this is where I, it was actually, I think, the episode with the stars where they, I think, took a full, like, I'm going to say 20 seconds, which doesn't sound that long, but like for There's each so many star and yeah, for each person, um, it felt like half the episode was just that two page spread. It was <laughs> insane. Um, I, I know the anime has gotten. I'm going to say significantly better, but I think that was a low point. And we talk a lot about in these read-throughs, um, 
about the differences in the anime and the manga. I think the manga, for example, hits like high points in its art and its style and its story at very different points than the anime has in the past. Um, but I think I, I like I definitely think the manga is significantly easier to read through than the anime was to watch. Like I think that was like I have a lot of PTSD there. Oh. This is why yeah, I'm not well, concerned about Funimation not bringing over these seasons just yet. Like yeah, focus on the TV specials and the movies, guys. <laughs> well, like one of the thing that the the anime definitely is a negative towards it at this point. The arc is filler, and like. I'm sure you guys have already mentioned this part of Dressos is just a massive, like, running here to there chase sequence. Yes. And anime, just for the nature of animation, that's a really difficult thing to pull off, especially continuously for, like, 20 to 40 episodes. It's hard to have characters constantly moving, constantly talking, in battles, crowds, and all that stuff. It's just impossible to produce, so they have to do things like there's just a long filler of, like, Luffy and company riding on a bull, Sliding down Pika's back. Uh, well, so I seen episodes. <laughs> that's true. So I, I want to mention some positives, in my opinion, about this uh, section. Uh, so seventy-five going into seventy-six. Um, mm. I I can't think of a candy bar I could relate this to, and and Steve could probably help me out here or Alex. Um, mm. But it feels just exceedingly uneven in that I, there are a lot of scenes I really really love in this section that that. Uh, We've dubbed the pre uh, pre flashback uh, birdcage section. I guess um, there's I love everything Moosey is in. It makes me happy to see Moosey, and so it makes me exceedingly upset when he gets shot down um, and then kind of just disappears. Um, I, I like I actually really like the interaction between kind of everyone finding each other from the uh, Coliseum, and maybe it's because I took a little bit of a break between part one and part two um, here. But it was kind of cool seeing how everyone interacted post-God Usopp uh, mm-hmm. and kind of how their characters are kind of tweaked there. And I think there were some really funny reactions from Luffy, the ones that stick out. Um, Don Chen Zhao coming back and he's like, oh, I got to go. Um, Luffy like, I don't want to deal with this shit again. Um, when Jeet and Abdullah are on Moosey's back is, is a particular scene that stands out to me for humor. And also... Like, there are good seeds planted in this first part. Um, for example, like the Zoro Pika fight, which ends really good and starts really good and has a really bad middle uh, <laughs> because it just keeps going and going in the background. And yeah. I mean, when, when the, the middle is 80% of the fight, though. That's, yeah. yeah. So I have more of a problem with the post, like the, the third part. I don't know how many acts you want to put the second part into, but it's not this part well, I don't I, have as much of a problem with. Well, if I, if I could segue into a, a positive after what Zach said, um, kind of the, the uh, Pika's big... Uh, ability reveal and the reveal of his voice is like one of the highlights of this arc for me. I oh, remember yeah, definitely these the, like this amazing artwork, great two page spread and just great punchline to close out. Uh, oh wait, well by then we, well we knew like Pika's voice. So this isn't the first time we're hearing it, but this is the first time that Luffy and Zoro. No, no, this is no, the first no, time. Actually, yeah. yeah. It, got, it got revealed in the same chapter that Luffy and Zoro heard it. Like, oh, it got okay. revealed to yeah. Doflamingo and That's his right. crew. And then, because mm-hmm. the whole time, Pika didn't say a word. So at this yeah. point in the series, I thought Pika was going to be a mute, which <laughs> would be interesting. We've never had a character in One Piece who doesn't talk, yeah. which coincidentally follows the law flashback. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. P- yeah. Pika's, Pika's voice reveal was super funny. Um, 
even in the, and in the anime, they really killed it. Um, really, really great. Um, the problem, though, that my big problem with Pika is that he changes the landscape. And that's what makes this so difficult. This is why, I mean, yes, I understand the thrill of the chase, and that's fine. But when every single arc had, like, we had a chase sequence during Punk Hazard, and I remember that being pretty grueling as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm running I, from the smiley, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the problem here is that there's so much padding with the officers and the gladiators, and it does nothing to develop either. Um, and that's Absolutely. a huge problem. That, I, I fully disagree with that. No, 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 no. Just, just listen to what, just okay. listen. Uh, <laughs> Brian, not the <laughs> officers, but the gladiators. I think Oda Blue is load showing what they could do, like, during the tournament. Um, like, having a spreader a spread or two of them showing something new maybe could have helped, but it's the gladiators are basically just, you see them just clash with, with the officers. And that's like, it's just, it's, it's sort of watching the soldiers fight the rebels in Alabasta. It's who really wants to watch Bartolomeo fight Mr. Anime. I mean, well, well, that's that's later. later, That's later. That is later. Yeah. And that's not what I'm talking about. Not as much as I would have loved to see it be Robin. See, I'm not talking about the one-on-ones. I mean, we'll cover that in a, in a minute. Okay. But yeah. I'm talking about while they're like on their, you know, while they're trying to run up Pika. Yeah, and like also Luffy, fighting. Luffy re- leading the charge with all of the guys running behind him. Yeah, getting lost into an upside-down well. God, and then yeah, the the Funk Brothers fake out was a wasted chapter. They're like nothing. That was uh, absolutely, God. absolutely. So that's that's kind of what um, I even mean. In the in the good and the bad, I think there's definitely yeah. like I think the Pika's okay. power and then, Pika's then I'll, design I'll, is good, I'll, but then I'll, it like. Close, but I'll away. close it like this: If those things weren't in it, you'd be asking questions like, "All right, so everyone's just going to join Luffy's side, and no one's going to try to bet- betray or double cross." Yeah, but that and has like, and all these assholes who are joining like Luffy's side at the, that point, you don't really. Like, we're not supposed to, and we don't understand their full ramifications for what this means for the series, obviously. Sure. But you have to set these people up to show, like, how the crew dynamics, crew, and I'm using that word specifically, is going to form under these new people who aren't the the straw hats that we know. Yeah. They're literally, like, these these people who are being brought into it, and they have to, like, run with Luffy, and, like, they all have their reasons for being there. And Mm -hmm. some of that gets brought up, like, they say, like, oh, I honor you because, like, you're going after Doflamingo, but I'm gonna trade. I'm gonna be the one to defeat him. And other people are like, "Well, I'm doing this for money." I'm kind of like, uh, like a Dagma, I, if I recall. He is the one. Like, well, I kind of fucked up before, but now I'm doing this to like, yeah, like, yeah. Re- I mean, re- then all these characters, all those characters, after they join the Straw Hat fleet, they disappear for a hundred chapters. I mean, I, it's nice that Oda's planning ahead, and it probably will pay off. But it sort of feels, I mean, without seeing how these mm-hmm. characters tie in later, it's hard to feel if whether or not this is. Uh, do you know wine. how to not spoil? Even the lack of something happening could be a spoiler mm. for someone. Um, I, I guess we should just uh, just to describe like what is actually happening. Like what is Oda doing during this stretch of chapters? Is that this is kind of where the the main officers take a larger uh, piece of the the picture? Be, you know, like we were talking about Pika being actually developed at this point and taking center stage, and then it's it's sort of like a it's sort of like a giant sifting process where you have this very chaotic situation with a bunch of different characters. And he is, he's sort of like, uh, you know, in, in a very chaotic process, he is organizing them and setting up who is, 
you know, who is on whose side and um, kind of maneuvering these people into different uh, into different places. And that's kind of, you know, that that is that is what is what is happening in these chapters, even if it's sometimes hard to tell uh, just mm-hmm. because there's so much going on um, until we're, we're finally ready to move the plot forward again. And then there's the things like um, I was thinking about what was it? Pudding approaching Luffy again and getting taken out by Usopp again. Pudding? Sugar. sugar. That was sugar. God damn it. Easy yeah, to confuse. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Here's the thing, right? Like, sh- sugar waking up is the only, I think the one thing that it promotes is Usopp's uh, observation hockey. But mm-hmm. they could have done that in, they could have done that any other way. And if you, if, if sugar doesn't wake up, then you don't have those nutcrackers that Cavendish fights or whatever, Ugh. and and that's like three chapters right there. Um, like, like that's the thing. You don't need sugar to wake up, and you definitely don't need to create more people for these guys to fight. There are so but, many. There are so many people to fight. Part of that also is the point of the kind of the rescue part of the arc. It's all Mancherry. The fact that Doflamingo had control of this one like entity created these obstacles that were constantly like deterring the straw hats and forcing their hand was like why do we have to keep going through this oh because they keep resurrecting their fighters until they, we remove that from the picture then their their forces are essentially done and Del also Flamingo if, like, basically has a bunch of side projects and he just can't keep track yeah, of all and of and and the point is <laughs> and the point of these parts of the arc is that you're taking them down one at a time before they even reveal like remember how long it took before man sherry she was mentioned and before we even see her Sure. And the other and the other thing about the Usopp, yeah, I get it. Like taking down Sugar twice is redundant. Fully understand that. But then you don't get that second joke we shoot with the uh, reveal of his ammo. So regarding the whole bringing people like the resurrecting and stuff like that, it's a neat idea. But whenever we come across that in an RPG, we never ever ever say, "Oh wow, I'm really glad that this happened." <laughs> um, like I, I, it's just. It's pun. I feel as if I'm being punished as a reader. These <laughs> these guys are being resurrected, and like like Jola being resurrected. Okay, whatever to yeah. give Leo something to do. But guess what? You could have given Leo to do. Well, we'll get to that later. Uh, but you could have yeah. given Leo something way better to do uh, than take out Jola and um and the corpses of uh, Dellinger, Machvice. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't even want to harp <laughs> too much. I, I think you're gonna. F- I think listeners are gonna find the theme is missed opportunities. Um, yeah. And, you know, when those twicks are set up... At, okay, I, I've lost the analogy here, but... Don't worry about it. I, I, I don't get the Twix. <laughs> the, like, Twix was, the Twix was made as Dress Rosa as a whole. You don't need to keep making candy bar references. It's fine. A Twix is not made up of millions of little tiny candy bars. It's made yeah, out of say. caramel, it, cookie, and... Um, but uh, Twix is, but the yeah. Twix is synonymous for doing for being two different candy parts, and Dressrosa is essentially two different candy parts. That is true. true. Dressrosa Dress is, is a nerd's candy. rope, a nerd's <laughs> rope. Okay. okay. What I was gonna say, I think, was that I, I think this first part, and we should probably start wrapping up. And I know there's going to be one more important thing we want to talk about in this first part. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, is kind of a perfect example of the good and the bad in this part of Dressrosa. Uh, the Usopp story, for example, um, that whole thing is probably one of my favorite parts of this arc. 
Um, I think Fujitora uh, really, like, his character, and I think, Alex, you mentioned this before, is the most consistent throughout, especially in retrospect. I, I really appreciate uh, the kind of con- the inner conflict he's going through. Like, oh, I don't want Doflamingo Flamingo to be in charge, so I'm just going to, you know, see what happens here. Um, that really pays off at the end of the arc, too. It does. And him and Sabo have a, a fun little, I mean, it's kind of a waste of time, but it's also fun. Uh, yeah, sure. especially in the anime, I think they ever call them doing a really good job with that. And he really beats up what's his face, the vice admiral, uh, Bastille, right? Yes, he cracks yeah. his mask. He cracks his mask, mm-hmm. which is fun because we were, I think, since Ennius Lobby, like, oh, this guy's probably a badass. And then Sabo <laughs> just like crushes him very literally. Um, so that's all fun. And then you get <laughs> Queen Orica Vacusuck, uh, the character that, uh, the name that we have for the character, Queen. Um, and I have to say, this that chapter was more painful today than I yeah. recall it being uh, back then. Potentially the worst chapter in all of One Piece. I, I, for me, I think it's clear far and away. Especially, what, what was the name of that chapter again? Wasn't it like... A Man's the, World. A Man's World. But I'm it's like, nothing without a woman. <laughs> exactly. God, I... Yeah, the Queen chapter, it sucks, like, a lot. Um, we've, we've talked <laughs> about... I mean, I would, I would, uh, I would direct listeners to our episode where we talk about it because we really, like, we really, uh, like, we're not going to repeat. We're not going to repeat that. You go in on it. It's easily one of the worst and most definitely most problematic episodes of the entire show. But the thing that that really sucks. The only time uh, that episode of the podcast, it's the only time I I remember us getting a lot of flack, a lot of hate. And and I'm like, hmm, I wonder what the connection is here. Oh, I see. No, uh, I can be pissed about. Frankie, Frankie's character completely making a left turn. I don't know, man. It was dumb. Yeah, I had a friend. I was talking because I, I have a friend who's a big Frankie fan, and they even said like that moment really crushed them. Yeah, and uh, it's not even like the rest of uh, Senor Pink's. Like, I understand the the appreciation of Senor Pink's backstory as like a parody of, you know. Is soap operas and the parody Mafia of masculinity, movies, yeah. but it doesn't excuse what it doesn't excuse what Frankie does. Like, yeah. I'm okay with Senor Pink being a scumbag. Like, but this, like, come on. And I'm gonna be honest, Frankie in this chapter is way more of a scumbag than Senor Pink, who actually went to go. I mean, he says some shitty shit here, but he did try and go rescue an old woman that didn't exist, um, and was thankful that you know she was okay. But the it, it is really a betrayal of Frankie's character. It's an odd left turn. And yes, I, I know we're going to get listeners who are like, oh, the joke is they're acting like man, man's man, but then they have nipple lights and the, the diaper bombs or whatever it was. Um, that doesn't, I don't think, excuse that. I mean, Oda's also just putting together like a really bad representation in both a hero and a villain in how he believes men should act and women should act. No, I... No, I think it's more like this is what these hard-boiled type man's man's characters think men and women should be. Right, but it's... Mm-hmm. Sure, but now of, Frankie but is part, one of those guys. Yeah. yeah. Like, but I think he always was. We don't know. I, I mean, he's like an underworld thug. He had like two arm candies next to him with Mizu and Kui, who he treated as like sister-daughter. Kiwi? Kiwi, yeah. Kiwi. Yeah, um, he's, he's always been like a, a punk. Here's the best. Here's the best example to show like how Frankie has been an outstanding gentleman around women compared to this moment. And it's a moment Alex has brought up all the time. It's the end of thriller bark 
when oh, yeah. uh, Lola at, asks if Frankie will marry him, and he just politely says, I'm sorry, but I'm just too super for you. I, like, thought, he, I thought it was the opposite. I thought he said, you're too super for me. No, no, no. He, said, he says, work. you're no, a catch. He, yeah, 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 that's the, yeah. He says you're a catch, but I'm just too super for you, uh, mm. and and that's really uh, that's that's charming. You know, it's like he's letting that, her down, but he's trying to but be also his... putting himself up. That's yeah, put down. that's still put down though. Like it's not like he it's not like he just like planted his lips on Lois and he was like, shut up. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, that that context didn't call for. It. Plus, also like, uh, Koina was not uh, um, an ally. Queen, don't don't don't, queen. don't confuse her with Queen. A much better, <laughs> oh yes, yeah, female sorry. character. <laughs> sorry, uh, Queen. Uh, yeah, she was an adversary at any, at every point of this arc. So it's kind of like my yes. my like the, the 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 of course the subject matter is completely problematic and disgusting. I'm not even I'm not even trying to argue that it's not. I'm just <laughs> arguing the fact that it is something within the characters of how they're behaving for this moment and what this specifically about between men i yeah, still i still disagree what though. putting in there and yeah. i don't want i don't want to do this forever we did a whole episode on this but frankie is kind of the um he's the he's the criminal with the heart of gold that's kind of his shtick in the pre-time skip uh material like okay yeah he does bad things but he doesn't like do things to hurt his friends or to even like hurt his I think part of his chick is he also isn't really there to hurt his enemies in like this kind of way. This feels mm-hmm. like a it's like a really personal kind of like yeah, you know, get out of my way. Like you're you're like in a sexist and also in kind of like a your trash way. It it feels out of character and and that is well, I, I don't want to say the most offensive part about it because it isn't, but it's an offensive part mm-hmm. of it. And I Let think me, Oh. Uh, sorry, real quick. I think my main part of it is like that went nowhere. Like no one also learned true. anything also from true. it. That like he he did this to this woman, and it wasn't like he recanted or she got knocked out from or she got pissed later at him over this. That would have been. I think that would have justified a lot of this. Well, Queen like, also had no reason to be there in the first place. That yeah, is she like just a completely yeah. useless the, character. She becomes one of the screaming groupies later. That's the thing I'm most yeah. upset about. Oh yeah, about yeah. yeah. I yeah. think that's why it. I if, not to harp on this forever. I think just to sum it up, I got what Oda was going for, but I think it's just a little tone deaf in this day and age. I think it. I think it's just completely tone deaf. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, well let's move, move on. Moving along. Uh, one thing I did note, by the way, before we get to Law's flashback, which is imminent, um, during this whole during this whole chase, Law is on the back of Moosey, and there's. Um, shuffling around to try and get the key to Luffy, which is also very eye rolling. Um, <laughs> and the, I, I think I wrote down, Law's cuffs are finally undone, Jesus. Like, <laughs> um, and and he reveals that he's got limits, uh, stamina related. But uh, that's interesting. But we don't really see them. Um, like we don't really see the the the, the limits that Law. Uh, talks about he can't because whenever he needs to attack he always does uh yeah it, it's forward. it's a very transparent like dis- story disclaimer it's like okay so if you're looking at this and you're thinking like why doesn't law just do xyz oh it's because you know he needs the stamina yeah or something and yeah. and and that's the extent of it like entirely yeah um and before law's flashback starts uh we're um <laughs> 
we're introduced to the idea of the immortality operation, um, which hasn't gotten any payoff yet. Um, and I thought was the stupidest thing in the world when uh, that happened. But um, that's something that I like to talk about in the reverie. So let's make a note of that. Okay, we'll put a pin in that. Any other topics of conversation you guys have about this pre-flashback material? Um, it's also the place where we get introduced to Conjuro, um, oh, yeah, which yeah. was Ooh. it was fun, and you know he he plays a uh, a part in some of the story machinations of you know helping them get out of the pit and you you know drawing the projectile that that Usopp shoots, but. Uh, really, he does not have much more of a role than that, um, which in retrospect was a little surprising. I was like, oh, yeah, he, he kind of just disappears um, after all of that in the story uh, of Dressrosa, at least. It's really annoying because he has one of probably one of my favorite devil fruit powers uh, in the series. It's a, yeah, it's a really good one. It's uh, that it's artist a myself, you know. Yeah, yeah. Welcome <laughs> to the club. But it's especially I think the anime did a fantastic job with that. Um, it's, it's, that was like, it, they did this, like, it's almost like a squiggle vision kind of thing with it. If, if I recall correctly, it's, it's cool. So why don't we talk about law? Um, yeah. who would like to take, uh, the reins, so to speak? Well, seeing ahead. as law is one of my least favorite characters, <laughs> I think that I would be the perfect person to do. This. Yeah, that sounds um, right. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Law's flashback, I think is Probably the best part of Dressrosa, at least for it's me. It's really good. Hands down the best moment of Dressrosa. Yeah. Fully, fully disagree, but fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so first first, first and foremost, Corazon or Rocinante, uh, I'd call him one of the all-time great flashback characters. Um, mm -hmm. He is absolutely incredible. Uh, he shows so much nuance um, in, in his silence. And then when he is, uh, when he's allowed to talk... Uh, he like uh, his character becomes even more fleshed out, um, and his affection towards Law is is so um, I don't know. It's such a it's such a sweet it's such a sweet sort of story. Uh, how he wants to help Law so much. Well, it's what he was. He, it's what he experienced as a child himself. He uh, was taken yeah. in by Sengoku, and that's uh, it's odd that Law is like Sengoku's like foster grandson. Yeah, I do. I do really like that. Um, that uh that whole uh that whole relationship mm -hmm. um the flashback itself uh the whole flashback is really great for marine lore as well like it's just mm. chock full of of cool uh of cool info about um how the marines operate in, in terms of um covert operations and uh you know how so and so got to be um you know got to be uh, a part of the marines or you know uh, Drake being uh, involved as well mm -hmm. uh, is as the as the red herring um, was uh, was also really nice. Uh, yeah, um, what does it say? What did I write here? Um, I didn't write a whole lot just because I think it's it's it this, the flashback speaks for itself. But I want to hear uh, what all you have to uh, say about it. Uh, Stephen, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think uh, like. The, one of the things that you know just occurred to me now about um, about Corazon's character that it makes him interesting, especially before he, um, but you know before he kind of lets the 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 uh, the jig up and um, you know admits that he can talk, is that he he's very he's very kind of like a I don't know a Charlie Chaplin esque 
character because he is silent and also there's so much like physical slapstick and kind of miming around him that um it's um like he comes across as a as almost like a um you know Oda loves to do these sort of um filmic style uh nods and and characters and things but he's also like just exaggerated enough that if you saw this guy in a movie he would seem more like a comic book character and i just i think that's a that's a really um you know like like alex said a very kind of rich characterization um that's um that's a lot of fun and and obviously the uh, the showdown uh, at the end, you know, not only in terms of what it means for for law, but kind of like what it what it says about uh, the relationship between Corazon and Doflamingo uh, and just kind of I don't know. It's 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 almost hard to digest. I mean, it kind of goes into like a Doflamingo's uh, story as well, which um, I forget if that's part of this flashback or if that's uh, further on. But um, it's uh it, there's a lot of nuance there. It's not. It's not always super simple, and uh, and I really I, I like that. I I find that to be um, kind of potent and interesting to consider each time. And I don't necessarily find uh, you know a uh, a simple answer uh, mm-hmm. at the end of it. So mm-hmm. more than just uh, Corazon, I always appreciated the child law interacting with other children as a child. Like his interactions with Baby Five and Buffalo are are, mm. are very fun throughout the whole. Throughout that whole arc, and it's also interesting to see how the like geriatric members of Doflamingo's crew were when when they were younger. How you know Senor Pink and when he disappeared and came back, but that was a different flash. That's his flashback, but uh, it sort of fits in there. And um, to see the way that his affection for Law has on him, like through the entire time that they're going around to hospitals and bombing hospitals, <laughs> which is just that that was so much fun. Um, and then tying in Drake and the sort of heartbreaking end to it is um, like they, there's they so missed much their opportunity yeah. to use sound of silence. I'm still <laughs> upset about that. You want to know, actually, you know what you want to know what the, the dumbest part of this flashback is. What's that? Trafalgar D water law. Oh, <laughs> so oh God, I didn't even write that down. <laughs> water law, baby. Water law. Okay. So still baffling. So I guess it's supposed to be like Waterloo. Yeah. But it's so fucking stupid. Um Can we just can we just call Law Lou for now on? Lou. <laughs> I th- I think I think the the proper uh the proper romanization for it should have been low, right? Uh look yeah, well I mean that's uh yeah, the uh the, the Japanese pronunciation. I'm not I'm not even sure how you're supposed to pronounce Waterloo, like in that is in France, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. So I don't know if that's actually supposed to be Waterloo uh, when you say it in in French. But uh, yeah, the Japanese the the katakana is Waterloo. So and 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 Law's you know name is pronounced Lo in Jap- in uh, in katakana. So right. it's actually in Belgium. Huh. Or Belgium, okay. And yeah. and well, you, half half France. You know. I just looked that up. <laughs> Um, to, I, I want to put a pin in that for me. For, there's something about in the referee segment I need to discuss about that name. Um, but yeah, it's so like uh, it feels so forced. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the poochiest part about law is making him a D. Yeah, like, I I agree. Yeah, I I uh, I think I'll have to reserve my judgment for whoever the hell the will of the D winds up being. But I. <laughs> 
I just I didn't see it with Law. The only, and then again, the only good part about it is that it moves Corazon to have that conversation with him. So okay, but still, yeah. Uh, I, I, Steve, it, it, it 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 just it it does feel hokey. I'll admit that, but I I've kind of like moved on. Like I think my raw reaction was like, oh come on, but I like I'll this one I just really have to wait and see with the uh, Oda's like the 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 big picture is here. You know, I'll I'll reserve my judgment for that. Yeah, I think a lot of people's initial impressions when the water D law got revealed, they thought law would be more instrumental over the course of the series, and thankfully that wasn't the case. <laughs> so, so I, I imagine, I imagine that was also a big frustration. But I'm like, oh, we don't know what's coming with all this. Like the fact that the D's often have such like disparate personalities, and I think I, even at one point they're suggesting that their names have something to do with like kind of their place. I like D Teach versus D Luffy, or uh, sorry, D Monkey. Uh, now Water D Law. It's, it's As all of this recording, we have no D idea. Better Call Saul. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Brian, you said that you did not think that this was the. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I well, honestly, I don't think it's the the highlight of Dressrosa. I don't even. It as all the One Piece flashbacks go, it's probably like within my top five, maybe tops, maybe top ten. For sure, but like... Zach, uh, do you recall if it cracked our top five? The, yeah, let me, let me pull it up. This will probably just take me a couple minutes, but yeah, sure. go ahead. But uh, I, th- I thought it was very well told, but I thought much like much of Dressrosa goes on a little too long. Uh, I do really like the uh, flashback of the uh, Doflamingo family. I think they all look great when they're young. Uh, I kind of want to hang out with them. But uh, <laughs> the... <laughs> yeah, totally. They... Like their first, that first reveal with they're they're sitting around the table eating pizza. Yeah, I'll, I'll okay, say well, you can yeah. eat pizza with us, Brian. You don't need to. Yeah. Again. But you guys are so far away. <laughs> the straw hats have, have eaten pizza on color in, spreads and a cover spread. But uh, Look, I get it. I get it. It's all about family. Yeah, it's totally about. <laughs> it's, it's about yeah. the family you create when you're a psychopath. No, he's not. Uh, okay. So I guess, I guess uh, the Doflamingo yeah. family are juggalos then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, it's like, or Dressrosa is the last Jedi. Hey, wait, the, juggalo, wait, wait, the Juggalos' politics are on point. Don't don't even trust that. But <laughs> but uh, I don't know someone needs to explain that. to them how someone needs to sit them down and explain to them how magnets work. Though it's I think it's very simple. <laughs> um, yeah, finish up, Brian. <laughs> I'm so lost my train of thought here. Oh yeah, but I, I I think the best moments of flashback come for the reveal with Virgo and uh, Corazon. That was that was a great little moment of I always oh, yeah. love those those moments where just like oh everything could have been so perfect if you just didn't do this one thing and and like he's yeah. great for that and then of course to uh, law you mean yeah and law gives Virgo who's an undercover marine officer the uh, plans that Doflamingo had but not knowing that Virgo was the secret uh oh, secret yeah. uh, Doflamingo Off. guy yeah that, yeah it was a it's a it's fantastic a moment, moment. Yeah. that was that's that was probably. My the best worst moment, you know, in that uh, if you know what I mean, in yeah, that and, uh, flashback, yeah, and stuff like that is why I love One Piece flashbacks specifically, and it also pays off for everything we the encounter between Law and Virgo on Punk Hazard as well. Yeah, like there's yep. that deep animosity because Law made that error and hadn't gotten a chance to kind of like got his revenge. He's a moment. kid. It's a yep. it's it's a really just it's a good example of you know making a mistake as a kid because of. Uh, literal ignorance not like i don't mean that in like the offensive way like just not 
being aware of the world around you and living with it and then confronting it later in life. Yeah. And uh, even Corazon kind of recognized he should have told Law about that because Law knew Virgo was a Marine on the inside, but like the chance encounter of that. Yeah. Was how, so how would you know that? Completely yeah. remote. I mean, it, it literally was a, co- well, I guess it wasn't a coincidence. He probably asked to be on that assignment. But, um, yeah, that's just such a heartbreaking moment. I think Oda in this flashback does what he can't or doesn't do in, oh, a- in the full Actually, trust I'm sorry, Zach. There was a scene, I believe, explicitly of Virgo requesting a transfer oh, okay, to, yeah. to Sengoku. So there was that exactly that in was that po- scene. That was probably in the back of my brain there. Um, yeah. I-, I think Oda is able to do in this flashback what he can't do in trust and put together a really tight uh, story here. Um, at least with the end, particularly, I think it's really emotionally resonant, um, which the full art kind of lacks. So you guys asked where this ranked in flashbacks generally. Um, right. But first, I have to say where it ranked for each of you guys, because that's very important. Um, I put it at number 10, and this is out of 16. Uh, Ed, you put it at number 9. Mm. Uh, Steve, you put it at number 6. Alex, you put it at number... Where the hell did you put it? <laughs> I think towards the bottom. Yeah, it's not... Where, wait, why do? Why am I having so much trouble finding? Did you... Okay, whatever, I'll go back to you. Uh, Brian, you put it... Did I change... Oh, there... Wow, you put it toward the end there, 13. So obviously your opinions have changed. Uh, eh. Stephen, <laughs> Stephen put it at number 6. And Alex, where? Oh, there it is. Eight. It was right in the middle. I couldn't see it. So the in final. In fact, now I put it lower because of Big Mom. But our final rankings had it at number five, um, just behind. And and these we've talked about all of these already, so I don't mind saying number four was Brooke, three was Nami, two was Robin, one was Chopper. It was just oh, above. The flash- oh, the flashback. Okay, I thought I think meant the arc as a whole. I'm like, what? No, 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 <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Although we did rate it pretty high on our last uh, round of the. Uh, story arc rankings maybe we'll do one of those i don't know when you're oh, listening God, to Zach, this God, God, no, Zach, no 2020 God. i think is when i said uh that somebody, cut him, somebody cut him off somebody <laughs> cut his mic cut his mic okay um so let's move on let's go beyond the flashback i is there like a moment we could like say like i don't know how to even like define this next section and when it would end it, it would end when the one-on-one fight between Luffy and that's what I was Flamingo. Thinking. Yeah, pretty that's, much. That's, so, a, yeah. that's a big chunk. It is, and Luffy's fighting Bellamy for a lot of it. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> there's yeah, there's so much concurrent fighting going on in this, you know, stretch of a volume or so. So yeah, th- this this part of the arc for me is the messiest. Um so I, I like I have trouble like even classifying this because a lot of these are happening at the same time so i you know do you we have two choices here we could talk about every single fight or we could just talk about highlights and and lowlights of of this section we do not have the time to talk about every single fight that's what i'm thinking (laughs) so realize how many fights there are exactly so um like listen to our podcast exactly so (laughs) why don't we go around say our most favorite fight i think we're probably going to have the same answer here of this part prior to Law getting shot for the 50th time and being okay. Uh, so <laughs> it, it, It's okay, though. His power has limits. <laughs> Steve, do you want to give us... Oh, wait. Oh, wait, Alex, go. Wait, so, sorry. Before all that starts, like, as soon as we get out of the flashback, doesn't Law get his arm chopped off? 
Yeah, don't worry, that'll be consequential later. Um, <laughs> okay, it's okay, though. His, his power has limits. Yeah. Uh, uh, Steve, yeah. What, what's your... That's, that's, I'm trying to stay on the positive side, because I know a lot of people are very passionate about Dressrosa, and not without reason. Um, there's some really amazing stuff in this section, even if it's really messily put together. So, Steve, what's your favorite part? Favorite fight? It's... Man, because I'm I'm going through volume seventy seven and seventy eight again, and a lot of these fights, some of them conclude in seventy seven, and not all of them conclude till seventy eight. <laughs> uh, it is all over the place. Um, I I, I want to talk about Frankie and Senor Pink, but I don't want to get into the flashback just yet because I feel like that's a whole other tangent. Yeah, let's um, let's save that until we're done. Yeah. I, there's there's I have so many issues with Frankie versus Senor Pink, but. If there's one thing I loved about it is that it just turned into Suplex City, bitch. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, Oda really showing his love for uh, professional wrestling and a little bit of boxing, too. Like oh. you, you get a good mix of that. Just uh, Steven, you can tell that his favorite wrestler is Suzuki, right? Just like based on the like the way that they they, they fight here. Oh, yeah. It's like, just yeah. like just stay like getting up and be like, come on. Is that all you got? Show me what you got. Come on. Yeah. Hit me harder. That just them trying to outdo each other with German suplexes go like literally to the point where their uh senior pink climbs up a tower to uh suplex Frankie off of that and then Frankie with the uh, iron boxing uh is amazing. Yeah, uh one of the great moments. Like I can't help but wince when I think of that fight, but at least it just had like a hell of like a finale before the flashback. But uh I mean not to give two answers, but my other favorite is Zoro versus Pika. If That's you go back and listen to that podcast, I had so much fun talking about it. Like it was, I, I think Tress Rosa really tired us out. And that was like some of the most alive oh. I felt reading Dress Rosa so in good. quite a while. Mm-hmm. So it's so much fun. Just gorgeous artwork. And just, man, it just, it felt like pure adrenaline reading these pages. I'm just like looking at them again now. And I just, and even all the crazy Cross hatching is just insane. Uh, it's one of the best parts of the arc, definitely. And it pretty much takes place all over just, uh, well, the ending of it takes place in like one chapter and it's a dedicated chapter to it and they don't skip around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, en- I enjoyed that so much. But also, part of that, all the other fights were basically concluded then. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. like one of the last things. So they didn't need to skip around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually after um, Diamante got beaten. And that's the other thing is like, you know, the the, uh, getting just getting to the Diamante fight was like half of the other fights because that, uh, you know, that that was the stretch. I think the stretch of one on one fights that I I found the least compelling was all of the the stuff with like Cavendish and Bartolomeo and getting Robin. And I, I understand that those are all, you know, those are all like spotlight moments for those characters. And to be yeah. fair, like characters like Bartolomeo and Cavendish are the most important of the, you know, these 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 groups of gladiators that uh, become uh, part of the story. Right. But when you put it, <laughs> Debatable. When, you put it into the, when you put it into this this context of like all of those fights are designed to get Robin to the plateau 
where she is not an active player. All she's doing is protecting Rebecca so that Ugh. heroes can fight Diamante. So just, lame. Just, I gotta make sure Rebecca's okay. Right, right. It, it, it's really hard to find it like super compelling, like just from a like plot perspective. Yeah, but, Zach uh, mentioned that how like Dressos is just filled with missed opportunities. I think one of the greatest missed opportunities. Like Robin had like two opportunities to take mm-hmm. him down or at least fight Treble. Which that should have been the fight, and if she was going to settle for Diamante, she should have at least contributed in that battle. I get why Kiros needs to do the final blow, but like Robin should have. It's it's even more annoying. Diamante has to has to defeat. I mean, uh, Kiros (laughs) has to has to defeat Diamante basically by himself because that's that's how his character works. Yes, I know. I, I, I agree. He has to do it all by himself because he's still putting that on himself until the very last chapter of the arc when he has that when he has that argument with Rebecca. He and still I, thinks of himself that way. Give Robin then, someone to fight though. Yeah, like, yeah. Robin Robin versus Treble should have been the thing. But I, I also yeah. want to backtrack a little bit, like based on like everyone's expectations and what Rebecca should have been for the arc, I think a father daughter takedown of Diamante would have been a much more powerful message than simply Kiro saying like, stand yes. back daughter and woman. I'm going to handle right. this by myself. But then Rebecca should have been like, Hey, I'm not a child anymore. He, he killed my mom too. Let's do this together. And Robin should have been like woman. But uh, if that happens though, that then we don't get that moment at the end of it where he's still treating her like a child and they get to have that emotional catharsis. Then I, I guess you wouldn't have it could, earlier. But I think yeah. he could still do that because that also came through with him not recognizing that his daughter loved him and that he mm-hmm. wasn't a monster criminal that he thought himself to be anymore. Yeah. Like I, more or less, like right. I, I agree and disagree. I am so disappointed with Rebecca's character arc. But now, like, I looking back, I see what, like, Oda meant is, like, just war and fighting was not the life that Kiros wanted for his family. It was the life he, you know, he had to live growing up, and then he was out of it, and he just wanted his daughter to be, it's like, live a peaceful, happy life. And then Steve, are you becoming an old man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, like, 19 years old. That's old as hell. Um <laughs> So uh, no, I, I say I I just want to like give Oda the benefit of the doubt. Like I totally get it. It's I I I think it would have been better if Rebecca wasn't a blubbering mess about it. Like I get it. She's still young. She's like I think she's only 15. like sixteen, fifteen. Yeah, that makes that bathing beauties figure way more awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I I get the point. Like she's still just a child. Like she hasn't. Like, then again, at the same time, she's been like a prisoner in the Coliseum. She's had to learn how to fight. Like, I wish a little bit of that maturity showed. It kind of just, it, it was all almost like. I don't know if like, that goes away when you suddenly remember that you have a father after how many, how many years. And also, you're confronted with the man that murdered your mother. And it's, he's very powerful. Yeah. It's muddled. I, 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 I feel like very like, conflicted about it. I think, I, I think part of it, isn't that like. Rebecca should be standing on the same level as Kuros and uh, Diamante, but like she should have aided in the battle in a way. And Oda is usually pretty good about like mm-hmm. even having supporting characters contribute to like a villain's downfall in meaningful ways. And like Rebecca did, or, and Robin didn't get to really do any of that. I think it's also just made worse with Robin there. It's like it's okay. 
You see, I'm here now. This uh, this total stranger. Hello, how are you, dear? The thing is, Can Rebecca, I get you anything to drink? Are you okay? Rebecca and Robin, before this section of Dress Rosa, I think, are both extremely capable and show themselves extremely capable. Obviously, Robin is, you know, when she, when she's given the free agency to, is 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 very capable. Um, like in the part right before the flashback, you know, she's use, using the gigantic feet thing and just like crushing people and like plowing her way. And everyone's like, Oh, you're so awesome, Robin. And then she's like demoted to this in the same arc. It's very disappointing. And Rebecca, we talked about in the last episode of the read through is kind of a badass in the Coliseum. And I understand everything we've discussed with Kira's story, but it is, it feels like just such a step backwards to take a step mm-hmm. in the direction Oda wants the story to take. And it feels like a real sacrifice and missed opportunity as we've discussed. Uh, Ed, without even oh, thinking Alex. about it, sorry, without even Good. thinking about it, like Robin could easily have like held down Pika using her giant arms, you know, uh, she could have uh, taken Treble's tiny ass, you know, Methuselah looking body out, out of his goopy goop mess and wailed on him there. Like, <laughs> she oh, didn't I need think a, there are plenty of. I was just going to say, she, didn't need a, she doesn't need a one on one. She just needs some shining moments besides, uh, oh, I just got injured. Well, um, and, but, and a lot of like the Robin versus Treble stuff was always like it got interrupted by something else. And I think. If we got to the point where Robin finally confronts Treble in the castle to get him out of the way from Luffy and uh, Lost Fight with Doflamingo, it would have been great to like, she's like feeling through all that muck and is like, this is disgusting. And then rips out his body and just like, this is what you've been this whole time. And then like twist him in like, like a rag. I know we sound like old men here, but just go back and watch Robin versus Yama in the Skypea arc and you can yeah, yeah. do it's a Robin best. fight well. It's one of the best fights in that arc. There's so, really, there's um, not there's not too many one on one fights in that arc. No, she gets well, one. Yeah. So uh, back to what we were discussing before the fights. Um, yeah. <laughs> before, uh, uh, and I just want to shine some positive light on this whole thing because, um, you know, like you said, there's good and there's bad, and since you already talked about, so since you already talked about Zora, Zoro, and Pika, um. I gotta say, some of the gladiator fights are um, are pretty great. Uh, nobody agrees with me on this, but Hyrodin, I like black fights and Hyrodin. Yes, I yes. No, I agree. Yeah, with Hyrodin. that like Hyrodin is amazing. Like I love I love manga because it loves like manga as as a medium loves making it seem that you can break bones and still kick ass. Uh, <laughs> My Hero Academia does this a lot, but like. Yeah, Hyrodin's bones are completely shattered, and he manages to do one of my favorite things that, like, favorite tropes is, uh, you know, shooting a uh, a boss character into, like, spikes or something. I don't know. I kind of love that. He, he used um, the smash attack. He used the C-stick. Yes. Um, so that was, like, for me, that was uh, that was the shiningest moment for me. Um, Laoji dying of natural causes <laughs> during the middle of the fight is absolutely hilarious and i kind of wish that's just how he died and that's it um but uh his uh his fight with i i did like um and that looks particularly stunning in the, the anime um i didn't watch mm-hmm. dress rosa in the anime but i just saw bits and and uh they really brought out the big guns for that particular scene um 
I also like the interaction and, with uh, 85 and Sai in that whole fight, like the way that they sort of come together during that and, and their relationship is improved. Yeah. Um, I gotta say though, and I, and I hate to say it, but the Dellinger fight is super lame. Uh, like, Hey, Dellinger took down like plenty of dudes where he, he was, Dellinger ran the gauntlet. Yeah, he, he took, took down, down Suleiman, uh, Dagama, uh, Bellamy, Bellamy. Mm. Oh God, I wrote so. <laughs> I'm I'm looking through my fight notes, and um, yeah, I wrote down that I didn't like the Dellinger fight. Um, uh, Bartolomeo's uh, uh, homage fist is awesome, um, but then I wrote God Leo versus Giola. Who cares? <laughs> and it was it was such a is written to be such a uh, tense moment, but it's also like let's get this over with. Yeah, that was that was just placed at the absolute worst time, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um. Uh, also on the on the topic of um of fights, you know, not not to take away from from anything that that we did say about the problems with um uh, the Kiros and Diamante fight, but I love the finishing just the sort of poetic nature of the finishing move where mm-hmm. he knocks him out and he like smacks his head on the gravestone like it's a little it's a little on the nose but i thought it was um it, it felt very appropriate and wasn't yeah, it called the, wasn't yeah. it called bastardo the Trina bastardo refers to a yeah. bastard sword which is longer than a regular sword yes. no but i i do like that hey bastard go into the headstone like just like or, uh, yeah. this hurts even more than it looks honestly yeah. or yeah. that or they should have million dollar babied him <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't feel my legs. If if anyone needed a melodramatic finish, it is Diamante, who is yeah. the most melodramatic character in this arc. Diamante um, should also landed on his teeth. He should have. <laughs> I agree. Um, okay, so should we talk about the thing we're avoiding talking about up to this point? Oh, the fact that Laud quote unquote dies again. No, that who cares? Uh the law, senior, the senior law had, flashback. Law's powers have limits, Zach. I mean Alex, sorry. <laughs> yeah, the senior That's pink right. flashback. Uh can I give okay, this to so, Brian first because I know what yeah, Alex is gonna yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> no 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 no. I, I've come okay. around a little bit on it. But, right, well, but Brian, Brian, Brian go ahead. Start, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I remember when we, we we were discussing this when this flashback happened and I remember getting really emotional over this flashback. A stupid criminal who basically couldn't admit to this woman who started to date that he was a pirate because she flat out admitted she hated pirates. So he's like, uh, I'm a successful banker. <laughs> His <laughs> name at the time was Senior Works at a Bank. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and like, if anyone's I like hate any- pirates, don't you? Uh, <laughs> they're the worst. That's exactly what you said during the podcast. But, uh, but it's just one of those like telenovela stories, uh, mafia stories where it's like, hey, don't question where the money comes from. And you got this woman who's like really finds out what her husband was involved in. He missed the death of his child because he was away doing crime shit. And then he causes and her leaving him causes her to fall into a coma, which he tried to make amends by dressing up like a baby because it's the only thing that seemed to make her smile. And regardless if she was absolutely smiling or if that's just the condition of her coma or not, it doesn't matter to him because he's just like so over the guilt of what he did to this. To I, I mean, like he he it wasn't like he was a prick and he didn't care about her. He cared about her a lot and he cared about his child. It was just he's a criminal <laughs> and I'm he couldn't break away. Crimes, from, yeah, he couldn't he couldn't break away from his criminal life. And that's the tragedy of his sad, pathetic character. 
So, um, with the recent revelation uh, that I believe I would have said this in some sort of interview, I don't remember I heard this, but I've heard it multiple multiple places. Um, apparently, people didn't like Senior Pink, so uh, according to his editor, so that's why he added in the flashback. Um, I don't know the sort the exact source of this, but this was I like mean, he, uh, he said in the SBS like. Or, yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, it wasn't in, in an interview that he he told him, like, this is what his backstory should be. And he was like, I wasn't going to do it. But then he was like, no, you should definitely do that. And then he went ahead with it. It was just yeah, like that's a, what I've heard, like I mean, sort of a spur of the moment, like, uh, let's do it for funsies. Yeah, it's it one makes of the... it makes Senor Pink better, better as a character. But I just, uh, on the other hand, it's a nice story. But on the other hand, who cares? Yeah, yeah like, like here's the thing. Frankie yeah. cares. It's, Frankie cares. <laughs> Frankie does care. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that was nice at the end of that. But yeah, at the end of the day, um, it was a fine flashback, I guess. Uh, but but at the end of the day, Senior Pink is still a gross baby man. So yeah, I think <laughs> I think the best oh. thing I I could say for that is that I I think that like the the way you're supposed to to come away from it is is similar to like with uh, with Bellamy, um, which we'll we'll get to in a moment. Where it's it's sort of like like yeah he's still in the same situation that caused this in the first place but it's like his his way of you know doing penance for the crime is like well you know I made my decision when I lied to her so I have to live up to it and continue making this bad decision uh, because that's what I deserve um, sort of thing and, and yeah. if I if I recall Sorry. the story behind the story is that Oda it, beyond it's I think it's one of those. The only op, uh, the only time I've I've heard of an editor actually influencing the manga like that I think used to happen a lot in Dragon Ball, um, but it's one of those rare rare occasions I think that happened in One Piece. I think it happens. Yeah, Oda don't talk about it usually. Yeah, and Oda specifically has gone on record saying he doesn't like to take a lot outside influence. So this is exactly one of, yeah one of yeah. the rare examples we know about. But also just on a visual narrative of like when Senior Pink's introducing, yeah, he's just like over or slightly overweight or overweight like diaper man and he's got this like cool he's got this cool guy machismo but he looks the way he looks you're just like yeah what the hell and he does suplexes and you're like oh what a badass but then like uh but then when you get this flat the flashback with law and his flashback you see like this is the dude who like who likes uh very dapper dresses he, like fancy suits he's very like well kept and you're like how'd that dude become this baby man and then you find out how this dude became a baby man. I'm like, oh, you fucking asshole! <laughs> Just don't make me cry. Steve, I know you're holding back. <laughs> it's I. I think we when we read it on the podcast, we just like yucked it up. Like I'm like, this is so s- stupid. <laughs> like it was so out of left field, and it felt like it. I felt like it was a soap, you know, like. No, that wasn't me you married. You married my evil twin brother. No, that's that not <laughs> what that meant. <laughs> yes, it's my my, my uh, twin my twin brother uh <laughs> senior uh senior orange red. Senior <laughs> No, it's senior rejo. Rejo. Well, well pink is not pink in in uh in Spanish though it's rose. Yeah, that's true. So, um <laughs> Mr. Rose. <laughs> Mr. Rose, yeah, it's me. Um, uh, it it just it because Senor Pig was already like a character where like uh, it's like it's like fuck this guy, uh, this, this gross looking dude ripping women's 
bras off to wipe his mouth and like you know <laughs> i forgot about talking that. to him and then he's like no i'm i i have a tragic backstory oh really what happened like my son and my wife died oh well how did they die oh well i never told them i was a criminal so i just you but, know lied to them like, and then just continue to go off and do see, criminal things and then i came back see, and i didn't know let me finish let me finish tearing this apart <laughs> But also, like, Senior Pink didn't tell anybody the backstory. Frankie just kind of looked at him and said, like, there's something deep in your heart, brother, you can talk about over drinks at another time. Like, it's not yeah. like, oh, he's not like Senior Pink was looking for sympathy for himself when he got his skulls caved in by Frankie. It was just like Oda just, like, no, his editor said, put in this flashback. But is, but is it Oda's intention for us to be sympathetic for him? Yes, absolutely. So I, here's the thing, I don't, right? Because he's a I don't, think, uh, I don't think that uh, I think this is this is an interesting flashback because I think uh, I don't think the rest of the Doflamingo family knows about his secret life. Of, Probably not. You know, Probably his secret not. life yeah. of not crime. Yeah, because yeah. like when he started dressing up as a baby, they all mocked him for it. Yeah. Yeah. I have, although even if they knew, they probably they're still kind of assholes. Um, so they may yeah. have still mocked him for it. Uh, who knows? Mm-hmm. But. It, the, the reason, and I'm sure Steve has the same opinion as me because I remember us talking about this. The reason I have no sympathy for Senor Pink is because he never stops the thing that he's doing. It's not, look, it's not like he's yeah. hooked on something. But it's all he has left. No, he doesn't. Well, he lost everything because yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. And, and he all he has left is <laughs> He needs a therapist. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> what I, he needs. I, I, I'd, I'd say ever seen a Pink... in the One Piece universe. Is that a job? <laughs> we on the should. Team now? Man, there, there, there's a lot of people with issues. <laughs> to, in this to, to be fair, there should definitely be some mental health uh, system laid out by the world government. That would probably fix most of their Someone issues. The maybe that's maybe out. that's One Piece. Tell everything's going to be okay. But if I could, if I could say another thing about Senor Pink, it's. If there was a part in the flashback where he was like, "Hey, I'm thinking I should get out," you know, I, I was like, "I should leave the family, give up this life of crime, start a family." I'd feel ten times more sympathetic to, towards him because, like, oh, he almost. Fair. But the fact that he's like, "Oh no, I can have both, and nothing of consequence will ever happen." Yep, it's it's also ridiculous because it's like you know the one thing, and Steve just said this, but it's true. You know the one thing I really hate criminals. They're terrible. I can't. I I could never marry someone who's a criminal. You know who I hate bad people. <laughs> it's just, it's such an nice. odd thing to say. It's just it's clearly a, a bad worst. date. Clearly I mean, it really. That's like saying, "Hey, I really like the weather." <laughs> yeah, clearly, Russ Ann and some of you have never had criminals in your. Family. No, the, the, okay, okay. The, you, you know what? This more the more. This is a telenovela, and I think we said that at the time that we were recording it, but it. I don't think that's what Oda intended, but I'm not sure. But if he intended it as a telenovela, well, he, he sure, never it's intended fine. us to give the flashback in the first place. So yeah, but I, I think a flashback. Yeah, he definitely never Bonnie. intended us to talk about it this much. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing about it, it's just such a polarizing it is, top yeah. discussion. Yeah, but like, we've, we've, we've talked about it at length, like before. Like we don't need to retread it again. Anyway, so we talked about how awesome. <laughs> But now we've created Mr. Rose, so now I'm like Mr. Rose. <laughs> um, so we've discussed Mr. how awesome <laughs> discussed how awesome uh, the Zoro versus P- uh, Pika fight is. Um, so we should probably just get into the Luffy to Flamingo stuff mm-hmm. here, right? So this is like the last was from like chapter seven eighty, pretty much from when he, yeah, when he defeats Bellamy finally. Yeah, seven eighty. Yeah. 
Um, and I guess when the hell does this fight end? <laughs> like 95, 795, I think. Yeah, this goes into yeah. the next volume or two, at least. Um, yeah, it goes, it goes, it, it goes on for a while. Um, in between then, we, uh, like, in between then... A happy store, Mr. Happy Store is back. <laughs> we find out that Doflamingo is a quote-unquote champion of evil. Uh, He's the champion of evil, <laughs> So, Alex. So, I, I pose this to you. What does this mean, and Actually, why do they care so much? You know, it's funny. I was rereading uh, the beginning and end of Punk Hazard. They actually, the world government actually refers to him as a champion evil when they're listing all the yes. warlords. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do. I don't, yeah, I don't know what the deal is there either. It's a name he gave himself. Yeah. <laughs> he made his own title Guys, I'm the champion of podcasts. I just made that up. No, I mean it's 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 part of his. Um, so the actual word in in Japanese is charisma, and uh, w- which is used in a, a very specific way in in Japanese, and it, it kind of refers to people who are like said to be very inspiring in you know whatever uh, field it is. Oh, I get it. Um, so, yeah. so yeah. So, like, you know, he's just like the guy, and it kind of works in in how he um, has like his black family. market dealing. Yeah, yeah. You know, he he obviously he does a lot of evil stuff, and he has this you know family that is really dedicated to him. It's there's something about oh. him. I don't I don't think but, the reader necessarily sees it, but th- that is get makes all those people super uh, loyal to him. It also ties in directly into the structure of the story where little ahead i won't spoil too much but just once he is removed from the picture that's when everything's supposedly going to shit now because he's like mm-hmm. he was like the linchpin tying sure. all these organizations together sure right. sure so um, yeah beyond the champion of evil thing um so luffy versus doflamingo is a fight that that really uh it sure is a fight three two to three volumes <laughs> two volumes it's a fight wait so was that us talking about is this is do we is there one more mini flashback with Doflamingo? With, yeah, there's a very oh, short. Oh, it's when. One. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's sorry. It's when Treble's fighting, uh, or yeah, yeah kind of when Treble's fighting. Because uh, uh, them basically, you know, like Doflamingo is like their their Lion King, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, Simba, you it's, must it's destroy. Just kinda... <laughs> Rosa. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's around the yeah that flashback is around the time where, um, it's like right in the middle, the birdcage starts closing in, uh, putting a uh, Namek style time limit on this. If you were uh, to make a right. Dragon Ball, we definitely uh, made that reference a lot. Yeah, and this is also where uh, where Law does his last ditch effort and uses the Gamma Knife. Uh, was it Gamma Knife or was it a uh, Radio Knife? Right? Yeah, it was Radio it? Knife. No, uh, no, Gamma Knife is what he uses against um against Trouble. Doflamingo. No, Gamma, he uses Radio Knife against uh, Treble, but Gamma oh, okay. Knife he uses against, um, okay. mm-hmm. yeah, uh, against uh, Doflamingo, and, uh, and then Doflamingo uses... Yeah. Yeah. Hey, when Doflamingo's defeated, I'm still expecting his insides to fall out. Like, <laughs> like I, that, that we never got that bug. That's the biggest missed opportunity of this arc. <laughs> Maybe they did. Just... Yeah, who knows what's going on in there. Um... Maybe he's like Oogie Boogie and he's just filled with bugs. <laughs> I mean, think about it like this. We haven't seen him stand up since. Uh, <laughs> that's not a huge spoiler, but you're, you are correct. Um, <laughs> God, now I'm thinking about that. Uh, so, yeah, there's 
we're not going to talk about Law and his multiple brushes with almost death, but there are some really good parts of this fight I, I definitely want to mention, and then we could complain if you want. Um, there's the highlights to me beyond Gear 4 um, is just that there's, I think, a whole chapter where there's just fighting with, like, no dialogue. Um, that shit was really cool. Um, and yeah, yeah I like to the point where it's like super memorable to this day and like how a fight could kind of be done. And, and just actually not first, talk about the first right? chapter with gear four. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ed. I was going to say, we've just agreed not to talk about trouble, right? I mean, we kind of have talked about his okay. stupid power. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll get, probably get back to him when we're fi- rounding I'm fine. This no, off. I'm fine with not talking. Oh, okay. About it. So yeah, do I, I mean anything else about the uh, the fight that you guys want to talk about beyond the gear for or before the gear for? Yes, stuff? yeah. Here's here's something. Um, so during the fight, uh, at one point, Doflamingo uses his parasite move to take over people and have them like, you know, fight each other. And mm-hmm. the the biggest, I think, the biggest missed opportunity with Doflamingo's powers is that he never uses them. Th- to have Luffy fight one of his own crew members. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, he uses he uses them to fight Bellamy, I guess, but that's significantly lamer, and the stakes mm-hmm. aren't as high. So, yeah, yeah I agree. A character we Definitely all thought, were, yeah, a character we all thought was dead, and most of us hated in the first place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I also I also think that Leo would have been an excellent addition to this fight. But uh, that, of course, is it's just me being forever, uh, you know, well, forever I, 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 I figured the, the fairies were going to tie in a lot stronger to, like, the larger yeah. components of the arc. And if Luffy was fighting Doflamingo with a little, little Leo on his shoulder, it would have been really cool. Yeah, imagine him, like, coming in Gearforth, like, blasting in on, on his feet jets with Leo on his shoulder. And that's how he uses, that's what he uses to hold Doflamingo down or... Uh, to combat his strings while he's getting hits out. Like, I don't know. Ooh, like the string. <laughs> so let's talk about gear four. Um, unless yeah, there's anything else you great. guys want to talk about. Yeah. Um, um Stephen, oh. go ahead. Stephen. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say, since uh, I don't think we're necessarily going to talk about it any further. Um, the, uh, the chapters where the, it was Luffy fighting against Bellamy, I think were were a bit contentious as far as like, do, you know, is this good? Is this bad? Do we care? I forgot about and the I, flashback. I don't even think we really talked about that. The, um, I, I do think that, uh, you just in retrospect, looking back on that, I think it, it works for Bellamy's character in a sense that like, yeah, you know, you, you look at him and you're like, why are you, you know, he's like, oh, I still, I got to do this. I made my bed and now I got to, got to lie in it. And I, I think that there is like the right amount of like, just a bit of respect for, for Bellamy for doing that. Like, okay, well, Hey, like, look, the guy, the guy may be a schmuck and you know, he's kind of resigned himself to, to this kind of failure or, you know, punishment or whatever, but Hey, at least he did it. And he stood up there and he took his shots and, um, you know, that that there isn't necessarily a whole lot of heroism or, um, you know, much more laudable that you could say about him. And I feel like that's about, about appropriate for for Bellamy's character. So I, I think uh, in retrospect, I'm like, yeah, I think that he, yeah. he handled that about right for me. It was great because it was a redemption. I mean, the exact yeah. same conclusion happens versus what happened in Jaya. But this was a redemption. Sure. Yeah. It was that's nice. Yeah. 
Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. It's, I, I think at the time it, it just really dragged in the middle of a part yeah, that was yeah. dragging anyway. In retrospect, yes. I think it's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think we like the conclusion of it. Um, so let's talk about Gear 4 a little bit more. Steven, do you want to give your thoughts on it? I don't, I don't know if I know your thoughts on Gear 4, like just offhand. Gear 4. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I know my own thoughts on, on Gear 4. Um, I mean, it was exciting. Like, um, I think it's, it's a very striking look, which is, you know, obviously a, a, a big part of it. I don't, I'm not sure if I, I guess I don't, I'm not sure if I really get, um, like a, I don't know, a clear sense of like a proper power scale as it should exist. Not, not in terms of how Oda defines it, but just, you know, looking at it from a distance of like gear one to gear two to gear three to gear four and how they work. I don't, I don't necessarily know that I look at this and think like, oh, well, obviously this power would be greater than, you know, gear three or, or, or whatever. But I do, I, I like the, I like the look of it. And I, I feel like it's kind of, one of the first, um, you know, not to not to jump ahead, but I think everybody, uh, you know, who's read at this at this far into the series knows that there is a, you know, a Japanese themed country that we're obviously set up to go to. I feel like this is kind of his first one of his first examples of actually designing something that kind of has some motifs like the Kabuki pose uh, style of it, which is is cool. And I, I do like that a lot. Um, but it's uh it is still very goofy looking, that's for sure. I mean, I just want to piggyback on what you were saying, Stephen. Um, yeah. I, I, I find the gears, maybe this is just me, I don't think they're as much about strength as they're about, like, literally, like, almost genres of, like, the rubber fruit and how Luffy uses it. It's, like, different sure. methods, I guess. Mm-hmm. So one is, yeah. one is, like, blood flow and speed. Uh, the other is uh, size. Uh, and this one, I think, is... Uh, kind of a combination of strength and it's kind of a combination of those other ones in, in like a very different way. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Yeah, that, that's yeah, true. But, um... I mean, obviously the fact that they're all numbered and they all appear in a certain order, you know, you're, you're sort of expecting it yes. like it's a power, you know, inflation type of thing. Yeah. But mm. I think, you know, there were probably uh, not to get too dragon ball on this, but there are probably certain uh, opponents where like a gear two would work a lot better than a gear three or, you know, so, you know, a, a small, but fast guy may mm-hmm. be better for this, to, you know, or whatever it is. But, um, I think you're right generally. And also just as readers, as the gears go up, we're like, Ooh, what's this next one going to exactly. be? Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 this has got to be super powerful. And, and this one certainly, uh, feels way more powerful than two and three. Um, uh, who Alex? Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, Gear Four? Uh, I love the idea that um, it's rubber, but it's still it's still um, like armored. Like well, it's, it's a, hockey, isn't it? Yeah, it's malleable hockey, and I think that's such a that's such a cool idea. And I never had considered that. Um, I remember when we were going through this weekly, I was like, you know, I, I all my bets were on it being like you know rubber blade or something like that and he'd use it to cut the bird cage um but i really i don't know i really like gear fourth and um and and its moves are its moves are really cool so, what, yeah. one of the things i specifically love about the gear four design not just like the japanese inspired influences but just how like monstrous he looks 
I mean, like mm-hmm. we, I'm sure we all, when we saw, it, it was like, oh, he's Nightmare Luffy again, because I imagine <laughs> Oda had a lot of fun with that design and wanted to incorporate it back into the series. Yeah. Uh, but it also plays a lot into the myth of what a great pirate is in this series and how Luffy is often thought of. Because there's several points even within this arc when people hear the name Straw Hat Luffy and they see Lu- Lucy and there's like, that can't be him. I hear Straw Hat Luffy's like 20 feet tall. And now when you see the Gear 4th Luffy and that was on full display during this battle, everyone can see kind of like the um, the legend that the Straw Hat Pirates are forming and with them as their captain. That now everyone gets to see and like, even within the context of this arc during the uh, the Corita uh, Gladiator Tournament and all that stuff, Luffy's legend is starting to grow. Uh, because most of the battles they had prior to the New World were all kind of in secret. Like, they weren't on full display. But with Until Gear Marineford. Four, yeah, yeah, until Marineford when people really got to see Straw Hat. Uh, but now it's like now people are really, like, now he's a household name easily. And people can recognize him to the point where he has to go to new places and has to go in disguise. Um, I just want to say what, one thing, uh, since Brian mentioned like Nightmare Luffy, and I think it really needs to be said uh, about Gear 4 that like the idea like that, that Oda thinks and that he, he is convincing us that like this is a super cool, this is the only, only in One Piece where you find something where like the main character turning into this giant rotund guy with like little tiny bouncing feet looks awesome and is like the coolest thing that you could imagine like only in one piece would that ever you yeah. know get pulled off it's amazing that you know that <laughs> that, that yeah. could be like this super cool like impactful moment because we mentioned dragon ball briefly as far as like his transformations like one of my favorite dragon ball transformations within the original manga series is actually uh super saiyan 3 because goku literally tr- his face transforms and that's more fascinating to me than simply more of his hair goes up, and he's more awesome, or now his hair is a different color. I mean, Super Saiyan 1 was fantastic because that was a transformation going from dark-haired Goku the entire series. All of a sudden, he has, like, blonde light eyes, and now it's, like, going even further. Or the Super how do you feel Saiyan about God. Super Saiyan 4? Or how mm. about Super Saiyan 4 there, Brian? <laughs> uh, I, I do and don't, but, like, yeah, it's GT, so it, that's always, like, whatever. I'm not counting that. Yeah, I... <laughs> I think someone called it the most important fan fiction of our time. Um, <laughs> so, so Gear 4 comes with the good, as we've discussed, but it also comes with 10 minutes of waiting that take around half of chapter, <laughs> uh, volume 79. Um, and there's a lot of awakening there. Alex? <laughs> there are aspects of it that I like, of that period that I like. Like, Gats. I like Gats. Yes, it's great. I do like He's great. Yeah. And also, I, I, I do kind of like the final showdown with Rebecca and Viola that Luffy interrupts. But before, That's a great... But, Ed, if, if we're talking about Giats, I think when we were doing the podcast originally, we mostly focused on Giats for this last <laughs> stretch. It's like, oh, that's where, that's where so the that start power is. The first half of Volume 79. Yeah. 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 But this is also when, like, Jesus Burgess shows up again and goes after Luffy. I think you mean yeah. Happy Store? No happy store, Mr. Happy Store. Mr. Happy Store. <laughs> Mr. Happy yeah, he, Store. Uh, yeah, he. Get ready um, for Mr. Happy Store. Oh, it's just a bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I, Zach, you're baiting me with the mentioning of Awakening. Um, I, I've come around a little bit on Awakening, but I think that it's still like. I feel like Doflamingo's power set 
could could oh it, it's cheap it's, for sure it's, it's, it's cheap storytelling it's it's yeah it's it's very cheap it's very very it feels very deus ex machina to me and with a power like Doflamingo's, I feel like you can do so much more creative things with it. Like, he does interesting things. Like, he turns his foot into a saw and, you know, chops Law's arm off. But he also uses it to, like, take take over people. And I feel like I'm still, like, uh, that's the, the biggest missed opportunity. That that's not, like, his main power is puppeteering all these people to go against Luffy or his own crewmates or whatever. Or... Like the ability to like, oh yeah, be like, oh yeah, well now the ground is the ground has turned into strings. And you know, I'm like, okay, well that's that's fine, but they're not but these aren't just strings, they're like sharp metal strings, I guess. Like, you know, well, I, mean, I, like, I feel like wires the, wires can be thin enough to really do some damage, you know. Right, but if you step on them, like a bunch of them, the 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 way that works is if you step on a bunch of wires that are that close together, it's just the same as stepping on a solid surface. Sure. It's not like if this is Mega Man, and if you touch a spike, it's going to make you explode. Yeah, unless like, you're like, unless they're vibrating at like such a high degree that's really like sawing you at a micro level, which they don't indicate that you at all. You guys are definitely yeah. thinking about see, this too much. <laughs> well, no. See, if you had indicated that, then I think I would have been like, "Whoa, that's dangerous." That, that's, that's how I dangerous. assume his, his. That's how I assume his saw foot worked. Oh, and also, yeah. I mean, we're forgetting that, like, also during all this time is also the birdcage encroaching, like, and that's still I, going on. <laughs> okay, so That's the like this part. Yeah, this is just this is just. Uh, I think Otis spends way too much time on people trying to knock the birdcage back. Yes, thank you. Useless. It was useless. So I remember Stephen. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were getting like really fed up at that uh, that particular yeah. thing. I, I was remember. actually. I yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you want me to give my my whole spiel here, but Please, actually, this was when during the serialization, like week to week. This was the the toughest part for me because you know you know okay it's luffy versus doflamingo like the end is nigh and it just felt like it was everything possible to um you know to delay that or to to like build up the the finish and i was actually very surprised when i reread to find that i actually liked like this whole last you know volumes worth of chapters Vindic- because it, vindicated it felt, again <laughs> yeah it it felt like you know it was definitely like something that improved vastly because there's really not a lot of there you know there's no there isn't a lot of stuff to take away from each individual chapter like on a weekly basis you're not going to be like oh but oh god put it, but when you put it all together it's like yeah. this really impactful like emotional like 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 here's the thing all the dressrosa specifically when the birdcage drops it's all a uh, an analog for a gladiator tournament like a, the ta- the ticking clown yeah. down yeah. contestants getting knocked out one after the other leading the last i mean one piece yeah. operates like that mostly but like this is like when he the gats being the, gats, yeah. The, the, yeah. yeah him like cheering on luffy and the people holding the cages giving luffy like one extra second and that's like that's all he needs to take down the champion and he doesn't it's like it's fucking yeah be, be, and yeah. being specifically being able to just read through all of it in in one go it felt very satisfying because there's not a lot you know there's no stopping and starting you just kind of breeze right through it and I, I was surprised at how much, much better it felt. You know, it's usually, you know, the, I, we always say that, you know, the reading it in a marathon is a uh, is a better experience than than week to week. Even if there are certain things about the weekly reading experience that you can't reproduce um, by, uh, you know, going through the volumes. But um, that that part, I, I think I actually was surprised that my, my opinion changed uh, quite a lot on. So. 
um, yeah, I was uh, I was surprised. I find I find it to be a very satisfying. And even if I still I still agree with you guys on like Doflamingo's powers and the way that he used them, I wasn't necessarily like super uh you know impressed or wowed by uh by what he does but i i still felt like you know okay the the build up and then the release of actually beating him uh along with all of the um you know the the stuff with the people you know and everybody pushing back i i, I don't think it was really that important in terms of like explaining what happened with the plot but it was important to be like okay you've been looking at these principal figures um, fighting and you know you've been watching these people run around in chaos let's give them one chance to band together and to try to you know to do something on their own that will that will help and um uh you know give them that that moment at least and uh so i i understand where he was coming with that stuff any other final I, uh, thoughts on yeah go ahead uh i have a final thought on the final blow of yeah the flamingo yeah i think and I, it really like this is what kind of hurt me a little bit is that I love, I love King Kong Gun as an attack. I think that is such a great name for an attack, and I think it's really awesome. It's a giant, you know, spring fist. But man, I thought that that final that final blow lacked serious impact. Um, I, I feel like there the, there wasn't enough being shown uh, in terms of how it exactly hit it hit the doflamingo like oda i think is usually really great about doing that that kind of thing but mm. um i don't know i just i just felt that last hit lacked impact and this is just me being such a stickler for these fights but like this is I, I back this is up. a fight that yeah mm-hmm. i think yeah, one of the right? issues yeah because i think one of the issues usually when he does a big blow like that it's use like two solid panels and maybe like a yeah. panel or two of like a reaction from the villain but this one mm-hmm. i'm looking at right now it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten panels to convey the King Kong gun and how it hits Doflamingo. And it when he does when he breaks up like that, you don't feel the initial like boom of just one big hit and that being yes. like the cascading over everything. See, I'm looking at it right now and I think part of the problem here is um in that in that uh two pages that you're talking about, uh there's like a little half panel of it actually of a giant white space hitting Duffelingo's face. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if that entire bottom page was that, and maybe you actually saw the impact of the actual fist or something. And I, I think, and the, and the juxtaposition of, of the sound effect too, it's, it should be much bigger. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love the following page though, with the, like when yeah. he goes through, but like, you're right. The previous page also should have been that, especially after two years, mm-hmm. Of this arc, we want to see Doflamingo just get destroyed. <laughs> I think. Yes. It, I think the the problem is that he was he Oda was still being cute about the glasses thing that you know, like because you know you, you think of like a lot of Luffy's like some of his like body blow things where you get this really exaggerated like full body shot of the villain just getting blasted in the stomach and they're all you know stretched out and stuff. But like obviously with with Doflamingo's glasses being such a uh, you know picture such a a visual symbol of him like oh of course of course luffy's gonna break the glasses but then like oh but i can't show like his eyes so i can't really focus too closely on doflamingo's body after that so you just sort of get the the effect but not you don't really get to see doflamingo aside from that one panel of you know the white space kind of closing on him Uh, Mm -hmm. no we never really got to see the doflamingo clan sharing gun so (laughs) yeah so yeah, that was that was annoying. We never did get to see his eyes. Yeah, yeah. 
well Bush we knew have any eyes no no we know what's <laughs> under his sunglasses there's another pair of sunglasses yeah, um and so on and so forth um i i actually really like that sps answer but uh, that's a funny answer yeah yeah uh i i mean a trolley answer but a funny one nonetheless um so there's a whole chapter of reaction with the giat stuff uh right after Giotz- that Giotz failing to announce the winner because he couldn't stop crying. It's basically that, a whole chapter of Giotz just sucking at being an announcer. That was funny. I like no, I know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just seizing him. Um, no, no, it's, it's actually fine in volume form, like Steven says. But yeah, yeah. I, rem- I remember that week being particularly like, what really? <laughs> I know. Yeah, but the I think it's the following two chapters that we get some like really big. The, the I, I mean, I think we could all agree, no matter what we think about this arc, the uh, the world's reaction to this arc is really stunning. Um, yes. We get uh, Fujitora prostrating himself, um, prostrating, prostrating. That, that, that conversation between him and Fujitora that happens, that is so much fun. That whole chapter. Sakazuki. So, you mean Sakazuki and Fujitora? Yeah, yeah. Sakazuki and Fujitora. That's, um, that is such a fun conversation because Fujitora has such a... Strong point of view and strong and moral the, beliefs. And with the yeah. five elders, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's all very interesting stuff. Meanwhile, there's, you know, the alliance going, I, I think, preparing to get Shanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sabo departing because the cypherpole has turned around. Oh, that's yeah. right, and his amnesia flashback. Oh, okay. You- oh. That I hated. I am sorry. I, I thought that was such a stupid explanation. I mean the the flashback is fine. I but the I I, I still like that's that like kind of hurts Sabo as a character for me, and I really liked Sabo as a character. I don't know. I always sort of understood the idea of him having like yeah you know, he got he took a massive blow to the head, like <laughs> as a child. Wasn't there yeah. a whole Futurama episode about getting amnesia by just hitting someone upside the head? I mean they did. They've been doing that since the Flintstones. This is like getting inside him. Oh no! I, gets knocked out after one hit <laughs> from a coconut. I'm thinking of Harvey. I'm thinking of Harvey. I'm thinking of Harvey Birdman with Fred Flintstone, where they keep hitting yeah. him. <laughs> but as far as I like, think that the uh, yeah, sorry, it'd no, be really no. funny if uh, after after Sabo got hit in the head, he uh, he's no longer Sabo. He's Harvey Sabo Stone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but I actually want to give Oda tremendous credit for showing remarkable restraint for going nearly 800 chapters and ne- just now doing amnesia. It's such a common, like, easy trope. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair, yeah. Really, like, what other way could Sabo have been prevented from showing up at Marineford? So, I, By force? Yeah. yeah. A character we even know existed in Marineford. Well, Dragon could have, like, tied him up and just been like, no, we are not involving ourselves in this shit. Um, like, we don't... I I'm, feel like there are more creative ways to have done that. Um, sure. But yeah. Who knows? I, I mean, who knows? I don't know. That you, never really bothered me that much. Straightforward one. Oh, uh, I mean, also, it would have been interesting just to have Sabo, like, that be a weakness of his character almost like to have some fallibility mm-hmm. in him that he was either fearful about going to Marineford or didn't think that he needed to go to Marineford or you know something nah, that stopped I, I, I would I would have liked that less honestly yeah I, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know it's hard to the, I, the I, what I, I, I is a hard thing to start yeah like road dragon 
Dragon and the other revolutionary stopping him makes perfect sense. And yes, that would have yeah, been cool. Yeah. But like him saying, like, oh, I'm I'm afraid to go help my brother, I'm like, I don't buy that. For I that. would have liked to <laughs> see all of the revolutionaries just like being, you know, in whatever most powerful yeah. state they're in, being like, You are not doing this. Yeah, they could have uh, kicked his ass to prevent him from exactly. going. Exactly. And that would have been I, I feel like that's also been done in One Piece before, like uh incapacitating someone to stop them from doing a thing that they shouldn't do. Luffy mm-hmm. maybe it would have worked out. <laughs> I mean, Sabo's kind of no pun intended. He's, he, he seems to be like the hothead, or not necessarily like the hothead, but he, I think that pun was intended. Like he kind of like I think while Ace was more of like the uh, polite brother, like Sabo's the one just he's so poochy, uh, just going in guns a blazing. Uh, he's the real hothead. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm inclined to agree. Yeah. So. So we have the aftermath now, right? Like this is a whole half volumes worth of aftermath. There's yeah. a lot of aftermath. Yeah. Uh, do you guys? It's more than that, right? Isn't it like almost a full volume? Yeah, oh, no, from like seven ninety three to eight oh one. Yeah. And there's some like in between stuff there too, but we're not going to talk about that now. Um. So we should talk about the important stuff. I yeah, guess. Yeah. Let's talk right? about the important stuff here. Um. I guess first the aftermath concerning uh, Fujitora. Um, or actually, Kiros and Rebecca and the end of that storyline. Do you want to? We cover, we cut, we touched on that a little bit earlier too. Yeah, yeah. With, with the fight, I like the way that that ends because I, 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 Kiros was still blaming himself up until the very end. Like it's it's like he's such a strong guy, but he has this weakness where he has this all this self doubt inside of him. But Rebecca finally getting him to accept himself by the end of the arc was uh that was maybe the most satisfying emotional beat. Yes, for the arc to me, and I, I mean, I liked Kiros throughout, and I think other people had more problems with him than I did. Yeah, I like Kiros, and I think that story would have worked well if it were uh, presented differently. That's kind of my opinion mm-hmm. about it. Um, a- another really great moment to kind of wrap up the other flashback uh, in this arc, the the law one, the Sengoku law scene. Mm-hmm. Which is Thank you forget, for it's good. Thank you for bringing this up. I yeah. I would like to talk about this scene. Okay. This, uh, other, to that as well. Other than Law's well, flashback, this is not only is this one of my favorite moments in Dress Rosa, this is like one of my favorite moments in all of One Piece. I love it really distills this. Oda's beliefs down to a single <laughs> sentence there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's well, first of all, I really like Sengoku becoming more of a character. You know, because we knew him as kind of just like the foil to law. and uh, no, Sorry, not foil to law. Foil to uh, Garp in the uh, Navy. So him kind of just being a little bit more of like a person, more of a human, was already something to behold. Then again, like he's had a huge shift in character ever since he, uh, you know, he retired. He's like vacation uh, Sengoku with his like shirt and shorts. But I think this is a really important message to remember for anybody. And uh, it really hit hard for me when I saw this. And I still think about this entire page from time to time. And uh, the only thing with Law is he didn't cry. Yeah. He got emotional and... He's trying to, but he can't. Bullshit. It's just too cool. No bullshit. Fucking shit. Yeah. Law should have cried, and it would have made him an infinitely better. Like everything that happens in this arc, like is if you know what 
it'll never happen now. Like if it didn't happen now, then it'll never happen because this is yep. basically Law's arc. Yeah. Let's just let's yeah. just like mm-hmm. come to terms with that. This is Law's story arc, and all this stuff comes to a head when Sengoku talks to him and and gives him those those words. Um, and are, I mean, are we supposed? Cries. Yeah, are we supposed to think that he is crying there, and we just don't see it, and he's like trying to hide his emotions, he's, or is he just hiding? No. Yeah, he, he's 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 holding them back. I think. Yeah, I mean, that's what right. the yeah, that's what the biting the lip is is all about. But I mean, you know, Oda never shies away from drawing a, a bunch of tears falling down <laughs> the guy's face when he's holding his hat over his head or whatever. So I feel like yeah, that's. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward. Another missed so opportunity. This, yeah. But, but maybe this just means that he's just just not straw hat material. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Maybe that's not not secure enough to cry, huh? That's yeah, right. definitely. Yeah, you got to be secure enough to really weep in front of people. Um, that's that's one of the requirements. Uh, there's right. like Bartolomeo. Yeah. He he does a lot of that. Uh, and then escaping while Fujitora pursues them and Luffy's declaration ah. basically that, you know, I'm not running anymore. This is this is new we're or I'm going to fight back now. So good. Well, I mean, I, I, Luffy having to run that errand of having to go get Rebecca and then force them to have a conversation with each other that, um, I don't know. That was, it was kind of a dirty trick by Kira's to try and sle- and sneak away like that. Mm. And I, I like that Luffy sort of made him reckon with it. I, that's, yeah. Luffy cared about Rebecca and he knew that she wouldn't be okay with that. So he has to stand up for her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this the, all the stuff in the last like at the post fight in Dress Rosa, I really like a lot. Like this mm-hmm. is a lot of my favorite stuff in the entire arc. Um, Agreed. Yeah, I'd call it payoff, but sort of like uh, this is a lot. Some of this is payoff that doesn't have to do with a, a good majority of the arc too. So it's it's, it's tough. It's the payoff. It's the payoff for for what Oda wrote, uh, as opposed yeah. to like the payoff for what you might ideally want. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree there. Uh, so should we talk about the Suns Cups? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about it? Um, uh, I, <laughs> I love so Luffy, not t- Luffy not taking the Father's Cup. Is, is, is so Luffy. It, it fits yeah. right in with him. That's, it couldn't mm-hmm. be a more Luffy thing. Yeah. I think if this didn't happen, I would have been really pissed off. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have, like, I would not have thought that this arc was worth it if all these guys that they showcased didn't join yeah. Luffy's cause. The narration this is what it explicitly tells you, the narration explicitly tells you that they will cause a thing that will shake the world. And like the last chapter, like an Oda box tells you this very similar to what happened after uh, Blackbeard beat ACE as well. Mm-hmm. Something yep. we don't know, but like, this is what this whole arc was really about is about like setting up like the essential extension of the straw hat uh, power. It was about it was about the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> Um, isn't it though? I mean, yes and no. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I really love that whole, that whole scene. It's a really iconic, probably one of the most iconic post new world, you know, two page spreads of them all with the socket cups and the party was fun. The fun party. Yeah. Um, This is chapter 800 too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which means that a lot of this is probably Oda padding and that's what I think certain things just to hit 800. Cause (laughs) I know he likes round numbers. Yeah, uh, 801, is, 801 yeah. is kind of Dressrosa also. It's that, that final speech from well. Toe Flamingo. It kind of puts a pin in things. I mean, there's that final speech about Dressrosa's, the this and this. Oh, this is also the bounties and seeing Greg's bedroom. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Bartolomeo's chamber. 
<laughs> yeah, and also seeing CPH as zero um, and yep, those familiar yep. characters. Who could and they Jamiroquai. be? <laughs> the Mr. Luffy oh. Go. Oh no! Wait. Oh yeah, we go. didn't. Um, we didn't even talk about Suru and her connection to Doflamingo. Oh I thought god! That was neat. Yeah. Yes. What was it? Suru and her uh, badass bi- biddies? Is that what That's we were talking about? Yeah. <laughs> badass old biddies. Badass I, old um, biddies. That was that was the thing. Yeah, the marine lore part of the marine lore that I couldn't like remember off the top of my head uh, in the Rosinante flashback, and like I think it's so interesting when you. Uh, think about Ciro and Doflamingo having that much of a past together, going all the way back to volume 24, or is it 25, where uh, where you see Doflamingo for the first time in that room with Suru, and they have this, uh, yeah. they have a little bit of a banter. Yeah. Kind and, of, uh, kind of neat. Yeah, and uh, and you could tell she is pretty happy that, uh, that this kind of chapter is over, though significantly later than I'm sure she was assuming. Um, yeah, I, I think Suru is a really great character um that i hope to see more of um and i liked how she was weaved into this um mm-hmm. and i i guess the this arc really ends in a huge setup for not just the soon to come events but the the rest of the series in a way where these are the these are the big villains to come here are silhouettes of literally all of them um and yeah that's I, that that'll I think that kind of does it for our recap, unless there's anything else we're missing. Fin- final thoughts on Dressrosa. I gotta get Go something off my chest. Uh-oh. I, I love Bartolomeo's character, but I really hate his design. I gotta say it. <laughs> I think that's by design, though. <laughs> uh, get out of here. <laughs> I like his green hair and his burgundy fur coat. But everything the, color, about, the colors are fine. I, yeah, yeah, I just think everything about his design is supposed to be obnoxious. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you, Stephen. I wasn't, I wasn't too keen on his design. I thought at first his design looked a too much like kid, like yeah. uh, too much like a punk, mm. trying really hard to be edgy. But uh, uh, that's the point. I think it's fine. I do really love the hell out of his character. Yeah, um, which I, which you mentioned. I think Bartolomeo maybe. Him and Fujitora, I'm trying to think of, like, who else that I'm, like, super happy was introduced in this arc. Mm. Um, Cora. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, any <laughs> any other... <laughs> sorry. We've been talking about Tresorsa for a while. Uh, any any other thoughts? Otherwise, we can move on to the Reverie. I, I had a lot of fun talking about this arc, despite having a lot of issues with it, but I think that just makes more interesting discussion. Okay, cool. Let's move on. This is the Reverie segment where we spoil you. Uh, we also talk about Dressrosa in retrospect with the events that we know now as of this recording. So, Alex, uh, you have a point that you want to start with here. Why don't you take it away? Yeah, yeah, my first point of dress retro- dress retrospect. <laughs> um, Ooh, I uh, like it. That should be a segment. Yeah, <laughs> I, knew you'd, I knew you'd like that one. Um, so, yeah... Uh, we were discussing, uh, I, I brought this up during the recap, but the immortality operation. Um, boy, uh, I sure would like to see this bear some fruit. <laughs> um, uh, I think, I think, uh, I didn't really think about it too much until, uh, Eames, uh, showed up 
or emu is that how emu, uh, i think i think it was emu. Is, is that that's how they're they're being uh localized um just because emu seems like the kind of person that has been around a while so yeah well uh, we already know one character who's definitely indicated to being mostly immortal or just hard to kill is uh kaido Oh, yeah. So do you think that maybe he had that operation? I, I think totally he's had that operation. I think for Kaido... He can't makes, even kill himself. I think for Kaido it makes more sense, only because Law's kind of more, as a character, kind of weaved in with that yeah. storyline, and Emu, mm. as far as we know, has nothing to do with Law, and she yeah. didn't have anything but, to do but with But I also don't think Emu might definitely, because sitting at the top of the world government, but I... I've, I've had this theory for a while. I I came on the podcast a while ago and mentioned, I think the five Elder Stars are immortal. Yeah, even I before think. Before the, yeah. Even yeah. that got brought they up. Look, they look immortal. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they don't seem to have aged in any of the flashbacks we've seen. But although and, when you get old, you kind of stay old, if you know what I mean. True, but like 20 years ago during O'Hara, o- Oda made a very clear point not to show them. Yeah, the, the well, fact that they were still so here's- Yeah. Now, and and the thing about the immortality operation is that it also kills the user of the fruit. So that means if the five of them are all immortal, it turns into an FMA thing a little bit. Yeah, they would have had to find somebody to sacrifice themselves, but they also would have to find the fruit again. Yeah, it's actually it's actually very similar to one of the uh, story aspects of the series Berserk. There's there's like Mm, five gods that are revolve around sacrificing. That's right. I, I, yeah, I, that's, that's, I feel like an God anime Hendrick. trope, a, a manga trope that, that we see a lot. So that would be a, I actually kind of like that idea, even though it's much more improbable. I, I think it would be kind of cool. We want to see them being evil, right? Cause they're supposed to be kind of evil. Um, yeah, a secret like that could bring down the government. Yeah. Um, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> who knows? Well, think about it. Like, if they think you're living in this like kind of pseudo utopia and like everything's going right, oh wait, the people ruling us are like inhuman monsters. <laughs> this is literally <laughs> the plot of Full Metal Alchemist. Um, yeah, <laughs> not to spoil that series as well. Uh, so, uh, any any other um, kind of retrospective things you you've uh, felt through this reread? Um, I I would say something. This is something actually I wanted to say. I think I teased this uh, for our our part one. Um, and it has to do with like I, I think with the one of the biggest problems that no one that that I, I have almost never seen uh, like really articulated from people in one of the things that makes Dress Rosa, especially the second half, uh, more difficult than I think it, it should have been uh, to to get through. Um, and obviously, yeah, we talked a lot about oh, there's just too many characters. Once he has the characters in, he, you know, they have to be paid off. They have to play a role. Um, they have to, he has to get his value out of them. And that's all true. And, and you know, everybody has, has pointed that out. But I would like to list the I think you'll see where I'm going with this uh, pretty quickly. Let's talk. Let's talk about let's list the places that we have been since the time skip, the the uh, the new world as we know it. Oh, God. It's been a, a an undersea like a uh, paradise, you know, 10,000 meters under the sea or whatever. Uh, we've had a government, uh, you know, an, an abandoned island with a government lab that's forbidding and full of, you know, mysteries and conspiracies. Uh, we've had Dress Rosa. We've had an island uh, of a, people. Yeah. 
sure, but, but I'll get to it. Uh, so, you know, a walking, a giant walking elephant with uh, a city on its back. We've had, uh, you know, this like food wonderland where each island is a different themed food and they're, you know, the, the landscape and everything is talking and singing. We've had, uh, you know, this um, uh, analog of Edo era Japan, like all these incredibly vibrant uh you know locations and the only thing that dress rosa has going for it is like the the walking talking toys really i mean you know you have some of the uh some of the mediterranean uh aspects to it but they're not like super they they don't have a huge impact on the way that you right. experience dress rosa and the, and, and, the and then the yeah, yeah but but all those things get solved in the first four volumes of the arc and then right. the rest of it it's just a city it's just a city there is nothing interesting about it there's nothing that you're looking at that is like wow this is such a an evocative location there's like you know it's it it it's inspiring like you know this sort of dreamlike wonder uh that that you know all this fighting and this adventure is going on in this exotic place like but it's then, just a place but and then this is where i have boring. to like reference what alex said earlier and say i'd say thank you for pika for at least giving us a plateau in a domain that is like interesting and that does stand out and it causes like a problem I mean, it's like any video game i feel like though yeah it's exactly like, it's ne- but it's like i i completely agree with steven that how generic yeah. it is mm-hmm. yeah no 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 like like steven you brought up the fact that it looks sort of like barcelona and has this mediterranean feel to it and it was really like the first couple chapters of dress rosa i was very excited for that because Whenever I think of Water Seven, I think of Venice. Sure, yeah. Like, and and Water Seven always like is evocative of Venice, and Dressrosa is evocative of places like uh, you know cities in Spain for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't really have that identity to it that mm-hmm. that Water Seven did. You know. Yeah. Um, I completely get that aesthetic wise, but when you brought all that up a second ago, it also makes me realize that we really have been taking the post-time skip locales for granted. Um, yeah. Because yeah. I feel like not enough not enough attention has been paid to the fact that Whole Cake Island is full of singing objects. Or, <laughs> um, I, and I think, and I, and I really wish now, I mean, as, as cool as it was for all the people to have been turned into toys, and that was like a huge, a huge thing for this arc, I almost would have preferred it if the toys were the inhabitants if they were like this is just a land that where toys like are real um i don't know it has a it, it would have a very wizard of eyes type feel to it because that's uh that's part of wizard of eyes too there's like a land of the dolls or something like that and i think that's like a i don't know that's it would it would go very much land. yeah it would go hand in hand with this uh this uh, fantasy pastiche that that Oda is weaving here, because in Punk Hazard we saw all these animals that were like dungeon, like Dungeons and Dragons monsters, right? We had yeah, dragons yeah. and slimes, mm-hmm. and centaurs and and pans, and uh, I, I think that's like a running theme with uh, with the post time skip locales, right? Is that they're they're even larger larger than life, um, with the exception being Dressrosa, which is uh, like it's more of a big conspiracy that all of these things happen. Uh, even the fairies ended up being the Tantadas, granted, yeah. uh, you know, a whole new species, but we also didn't spend a whole lot of time on green bit either. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. that's, 
like Greenbit should feel you, like its own location. Yeah, yeah, you could remove Greenbit from the story entirely or incorporate it like a force in the middle of Dressrosa and would have played better as opposed to being a separate thing you forget about. Yeah. Because yeah. like when the birdcage starts happening, that doesn't affect Greenbit at all. No, it doesn't. <laughs> That's yeah, could they all just point. go underground? I think we mentioned this when we recorded how no, guys, tunnels are the, tunnels are too too small for the peep for humans okay, okay. mostly. Guys, the fighting fish. Hello. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> have you guys forgotten about the early chapters of this ten volume saga? <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Um, there was something I wanted to mention. Who the hell knows what it is now? Um, I actually legitimately forgot. Um, oh yeah, just, so, the thing about Water 7 is, yes, it's like Venice, but it's also this, like, fantastical, exaggerated version of Venice, where- Yes, of course. Yeah, where, whereas, uh, you know, this Barcelona-esque place could literally just be Barcelona- um, especially after the toy thing, like it just kind of just looks like it. it. There's nothing that exaggerated about it, except that the women probably stab a few more men than they would in the actual Barcelona. So I well, like, you, you know, ahead. you know, what's disappointing to me is the fact that when Pico reshaped the land, it, that could have been the new face of Dressrosa. Like think about like if the battle's conclusion didn't involve like the birdcage literally ripping everything apart to rubble, that it would have been like, you have had these. This King's Plateau, the new King's Plateau versus the old plateau where the Coliseum is and where the factory is and like these giant statues of Pika uh, all over the place. I mean, I, that's stupid, but I like wiping the <laughs> slate clean. I mean, I don't need giant oh, but statues that, of but Pika. That's the, that's the narrative point that Oda did, but I'm saying yeah. if you want like an interesting location, this will remind me of like I just recently played through the most recent God of War. And that's what the God of War series is all about, like these over-exaggerated Greek myths of, like, statues and gods and, like, these plateaus and places million, that can't pop. Like, who would construct this? A million, uh, in a million it? years, people are like, Daddy, what's that giant statue of that guy? Oh, son, that was just a man with a very high-pitched voice. But, but think Nothing about to like, worry about. We, we start this arc with a statue that's literally in a basement because no one remembered who this person was. But, like, if you have this giant statue to remember, like, remember when we were in that, under that fascist regime of this guy who controlled yeah. everybody? That's a, that's a remembrance. <laughs> it's the, yeah, it's like this. Or it's like the scars of history. It's like the uh, end of Planet of the Apes. That's what it's going to be. Right. right. I mean, right. that's You animals! <laughs> but that's also what Roman statues are. This was, like, an imperialistic power that took over most of what was known, the known European, North Africa, and Asian world. And we still hold those up. It's like, look at these guys who are, like, probably murdering raping <laughs> fucking savages how did we get on this their stuff up. <laughs> it's a colossus I yeah i mean okay there sure i there's a lot i think our um message at the end of of this part of Tresrosa, at least is that Tresrosa had all of these great things and they and and oda kind of just dropped the ball or we our expectations were too high maybe that was it um or because of our expectations, we were disappointed at the actual result. Um, it, it's like I don't, I don't know how I would have originally read this series if I read it all in one shot. Uh, this uh, saga, if I read it all in one shot. Um, I think I think it would be really important to ask people who weren't reading Dressrosa Week the Week what their impressions were if they got through this part. <laughs> if they made a lot it. of people actually love Dressrosa. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah it's I'm it's saying. extremely popular. Wait, why don't I put pull up our survey and see if I could see where it's been ranking currently for uh 
This will take me a second. <laughs> but yeah. You did a, like well, because you did like a Twitter survey, right? No, no. I did a full survey like oh, on the right. website where we had, let's see how many results uh, have come in so far. Um, not stalling for time right see, now. Because <laughs> I see a lot of people consider Dressrosa to be one of the best One Piece arcs. And I mean, uh, that's that, I, think that, I think that's way too high praise. So <laughs> we, have yeah. a, we have a sample size of a little over 400. That's not bad. Um, and Dress Rosa uh, received. Let's see if it's even in this top. Dress Rosa received three point five percent. So this looks like it would be like number. It'd be like mid in the middle somewhere. Um, so I mean, there's certainly a, a big contingent for it. Uh, Ennius Lobby and Water Seven are still the standard bearers um, for the One yeah. Piece community. I that feel like sense. I feel like when we did the like the reader surveys for the uh, arc rankings that it was very high or or that like you know everyone else aside from the the actual podcast recording crew on the website yes. also had Dressrosa much higher so but it's also important to note that recent arcs always do better uh, for example Whole Cake Island got a little higher than Dressrosa and Wano which we are currently in and is nowhere close to done did pretty well got. I know 2.2% sounds small, but it's it's bigger than a lot of others uh, other arcs that have finished. Well, the backtrack slightly, I think this is why Fishman Island was so disappointing. It was one of the first arcs after just a mountain of like good One Piece hype that we we all kind of universally panned. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Punk Razor, Punk Razor, Punk, punk Razor, I love was, Punk Razor. <laughs> was was better than Fishman Island. I think in, in many ways, Dressrosa is better than Punk Hazard. And then, of course, Zoe following Whole Cake are better than Dressrosa. I, I mean, I hate to tell you, according stuff. to this poll, uh, Brian, only two mm. people uh, found Fishman Island to be their favorite. Uh, but it did beat Punk Hazard, which only one out of four really? people liked. I'm surprised by that. Uh, I, I'm I sorry, it was their favorite arc. Yeah. I think Punk Hazard's way better than Fishman well, Island. I only let people choose one. So it's these are like people's actual favorite arc. Um, wow. And only right. one person thought Punk Hazard was their favorite arc. I mean, no one here. I'm not saying any of us dislike Punk Hazard, but none of us. I like would, it, yeah. But none of us would choose it as yeah, our favorite arc. As their favorite, yeah. So yeah. That, it's, I, it's a hard, very it's a hard trans- scale. It's a very transitional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Versus something like Ennius Lobby or Water Seven or Skypea or the mm-hmm. or Marine Food. Yeah, Skypea got uh, 25, which is pretty good. Um, anyway, uh, I think that's gonna do it. Uh, so that has been the 15th volume of the One Piece read-through. Why don't we go through how people could contact us? Uh, Brian, uh, where could people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Dark King Zoro, all one word. Look at my artwork on, uh, DeviantArt, Bannendorf. You can check out episodes of Rick and Morty and Teen Titans Go if you're so inclined. And you can watch a podcast I do where I talk to other animation professionals called Animation Success Stories. Wait, yeah, Animation Success Stories. Uh, podcast. Yes, it does a- go ass. Yeah, ASS podcast. Easy to remember. And isn't on the picture like a big farting guy or something? Um, yeah, well, we we got we did a contest and someone submitted oh, like okay. a pretty good logo for us, so it's even better now. It's a better <laughs> uh, ass. Uh, Steven. Uh, yeah, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Translatosaurus. Uh, Alex. Well. Uh... I'm on Twitter as well at dude exclamation and at Weeb Simpsons and Steve. 
I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, uh, at Steve Yurko. Listen to me on podcasts, like the One Piece podcast, of course, but also uh, The Deep End at Adult Swim Pod and Tune Suite at T-U-N-E. God, I think that's Tune Suite Pod. Yeah, so T-U-N-E Suite Pod. You definitely forgot to spell that halfway through. Uh Yeah. And uh, nuts. Uh, and uh, and Toho Yaro. Listen to me on there as yeah. well. There's lots of podcasts yeah. you guys should be listening to. Uh, and, and you yeah. and you could just call me too. Yeah, we know where you live now, so that's good. Uh, Ed. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the One Piece read through will return hopefully next month with Zoe, which goes up to what chapter eight twenty four. That's like two and a half volumes. Yeah, I'm going to trust you on that number because I haven't. I was just flipping through it. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's the. Um, it's it's a pretty yeah. short one. This one people yeah. should be able to get through pretty quick. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, for the podcast, you are Zach underscore Logan. I am Edward E. One Piece. I'm also at Weeb Trailers. Check that out. The podcast can be found at onepiecepodcast.com, twitter.com, youtube.com, and facebook.com slash onepiecepodcast. Onepiecepodcast at gmail.com is our email address. One Piece Podcast is our Skype name. You can leave us some feedback at r slash onepiecepodcast. Please support us, patreon.com slash onepiecepodcast. And... Um, you can subscribe on SoundCloud, subscribe on Google Play, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, or call us on our phone number, Zach. And that phone number is 347-497-MAJI. That phone number again is 347-497-6254. Call anytime. With, anytime. With, anytime. With your dress res- retrospectives. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Steve. I think that was you, right? Uh, no, it was Alex. Oh, it was Alex? Okay. Thank you, Alex. Uh, so... We will be back next month uh, in January with our Zoe read-through. Or if you're listening to this much later, you could just go and listen to that episode right now. Um, and please check out the One Piece podcast every Sunday. Uh, but until then, my name is Zach. My name is Ed. We'll see you next week, everyone. Goodbye. Next month. Whatever it is. Next month. <laughs> we'll see you in the next Dress Rosa. And I'll see so- you in hell. <laughs> It's <laughs> no big deal. Uh... <laughs>